Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's relevant. Did I, did I tell you the Did I tell you the new uh, song I wrote? Mm-mm. You want to hear it? Yeah, like on the show. Are we going? You're gonna sing me a song? I, I, I mean, I will if you want to put it on the show. But I was just gonna sing it to you. What's up, Airheads? We're back. Corey's gonna sing a song, <laughs> then we'll do the intro. Go ahead. Here it goes. <clears throat> this is inspired by me and my real life. <clears throat> I got a little bitty weenie, I'll tell you what, but I bet I got something that you ain't got. Big balls, big balls, they're hanging down to my knees. Big balls, big balls, won't you take a look at these? Let me tell y'all, he ain't ever lie when it comes to the size of his balls, son. <laughs> People after shows, oftentimes, I mean, it happens to me all the time. People either in the meet and greets or on the street afterwards or something, they'll say some version of, I kept getting distracted by how freakishly large your hands are. And I'm like, well, that's less yeah, than right. ideal, but thank you. Uh, right. You know, like I don't hit for me that they're a distraction while I'm on stage. Yeah, right. They are freakishly large. The equivalent of that for Corey is uh, sometimes gay men will be like, you know, I was transfixed by your gargantuan <laughs> balls that were showing yeah. through your jeans while you were up there. Uh, and it's true. There's something else. Do you worry about, you know, us men as we get older, they get dangerous and yours way more. So I feel like that'll yeah. be more pronounced. Like you'll be dipping them in the water. You'll be teabagging the toilet bowl. If you don't watch it, you'll have to dress your water level or something. Well, can I tell you that when I'm sick, I already do. Because mm. did you know that your balls, have you noticed that your balls hang lower when you're sick? No, but I mean, I believe you. It's I, scientific, you know. right? Yeah. So you know when you're cold, your balls go back up inside mm-hmm. of you? Mm-hmm. Well, when you have a fever and you're hot, it's the opposite. Your balls try to get away from that central heat. Your balls yeah. like to say a certain temperature. Yes, that's true. So when I'm, when I'm sick, yeah, when I'm sick, my balls... And, and I'm not, they're not dunked completely, but, and it's not every toilet because some toilet has shallower right. or, or deeper water, but I have had my balls in a toilet before for sure. Yeah. I don't hit. Tell you what does hit no, though, don't hit. or will hit, we hope this episode of putting on airs. We're back here in the, uh, virtual Airstream studios. I'm Trey and that's Corey. We're joined of course by big Papa producer who's having a bit of a rough day. Our condolences, Raquel Welch has just mm-hmm. died as we are recording this. Yep. And as he put it in his generation, she was 
the tippy top. And, you know, she stayed that way for a very long time. She didn't, uh, she never did hardly lose it. So rest in peace to her. Also pretty fancy, I feel like. So I agree. Give it up for Raquel Welch. Every boomer's dick is at half mass today. That is a hundred percent true. (laughs) I, uh, she, she did though. I mean, again, like, I don't remember whose podcast I was on or whatever, but this weekend, like I was like talking about, and probably if I'm being, if I'm being honest, probably, um, uh, what is it? Materializing or objectify. I was definitely objectifying Raquel Welsh 100%. But back in in her era, you could do that. You know, that was like, like when she was out there doing it, that was like, that's still totally fine. That's true. (laughs) But I would also suggest to you that 80 something year old women don't mind being objectified. Do you know what I'm saying? For that reason you know what yeah. i mean they're just of a different generation but it's not but but i think i think that even this generation like our yeah. generation who hates being objectified if you get to 80 and people oh, are going yeah. i'd still fuck you they're gonna be like thank you oh it's my so god sweet that's so sweet doll. yeah and like yeah. that's how i feel about raquel welsh you know so rest in peace for sure mm-hmm. what are you talking to sexy, about today sexy may malls everywhere right so um yeah, this show, uh, what we're going to be talking about a little later, is going to be a little bit different for me, but I can still justify it. Cho, you were actually the one to suggest this, I think. And at first, I was really? like, I don't know. Which means you I have no a, idea what it is. You and a viewer, sort of. We had a viewer, I'm sorry, I think I have it written down somewhere which airhead it was who gave the suggestion, but they said, uh, and I'm not doing this one today, I probably will down the road, but they suggested gentlemen outlaws, right? Yes. And, uh, and you, at another point, suggested pirates so i decided that i want to talk about pirates because i'm a pretty big fan of pirates generally speaking as a lot of people are and as far as the whole venn diagram thing the rationale i'm using for it is that it's not like it's not fancy people and trash people and how they relate to pirates it's that pirates themselves i feel sort of blur the line between fancy and trash just by the very nature of what they are but i just kind of want to talk about pirates for a while so that's what i'm going to be doing and then after that professor cho is what's the subject this could in my opinion this could not be more perfect and maybe i'm just making it up because i want this to hit harder but in mine i was like i'm really gonna have to justify this because in my mind this person epitomizes class and swag in the the form like in the 50s and 60s and 70s america class swag the tuxedo whiskey the nightlife but at the same time they come from trash roots you know i didn't know that i know who you're talking about now frank sinatra yeah old blue eyes he definitely fits i didn't know he came from he comes from humble beginnings i never well he just he lived in hoboken you know, well, yeah, like I just figured, it seems like it wouldn't hit to be in Hoboken. Yeah. yeah. No, no offense to Hoboken. Yeah. But, uh, but, but that was my thing too. I was like, he's not really like, I won't say this guy's fancy because he was still like, you know, revered by men. But at the same time, it's oh, like yeah. no one's cooler and has more swag and class. When I think of like, cl- that's a classy fucking guy. I think of Frank Sinatra, you know, for sure. But first though, before we get to any of that, we uh, cut off in the middle last week uh, where we were talking about gross-ass foods from the mm-hmm. past. We're going to continue that. But actually, uh, yeah, first, I saw this picture yesterday that I just want you to see. It's in our doc, if you could pull it up. And big, oh, big I should have already done that. BPP will, 
he'll add it so the viewers could see it right here. But I saw this on the stupid food subreddit, and this is an actual uh, salmon Caesar that someone ordered and received in a pretentious restaurant. And I find it to be hilarious, and it made me think of this show. So whenever you've got it pulled up, there, I, I, it, it's at I, the top I so of I so apologize. I'm in the POA running dock. And, Opening uh, segment wait, ideas. I see it. Hilarious Salmon Caesar. Caesar. Click that. Look at that. It won't let me click it. Yeah. Push to open link. Open there link. You there it. you go. Fucking what? Yeah. Okay. So, for so let me let me just listening. It's a pretty good looking piece of blackened salmon sitting without question to the left of a hollowed out piece of toast that's being penetrated by a spear of romaine lettuce with money shot Caesar dressing drizzled over the whole thing. It's uh so totally unnecessary. Right. But dude, what would you, how would you, if you, if you just ordered a blackened Caesar salad, a blackened salmon Caesar salad, and they gave you that, like. I'd be furious. (laughs) Um, I, first off, I would never order a blackened Caesar uh, salad. I don't, I, cause I don't like hot. I don't like it's for me. It, 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 I, I, I would like the same. I actually would like the salmon. If I could, if they could guarantee me that the salmon. I don't like hot, hot. meat. On my, See, I don't like hot. We've had this discussion before. I'm the exact opposite. I, with an entree salad, if it's grilled chicken, blackened salmon, whatever, I love all that yeah. shit. Steak, and I, I want I, the, I want the meat hot I on don't. top of the salad. Like, I, love I genuinely that. do like a steak salad, but how I do my steak salad is like if I cook a real like sometimes with me and Amber for dinner, like I'll cook like a fucking twenty ounce, you know, steak or whatever. And like me and her won't eat all that. Like, I mean, sometimes I could eat all that by myself, but sometimes we won't. So I'll save whatever's left over and the next I'll put it in the fridge and the next day I'll have for lunch a, a, a steak salad because I like it cold. I can't stand the um, and and by the way, I know I'm in the minority here. I know that I'm in the minority here. I don't know. But I a just, lot of a lot of them are definitely served cold, you know. Because I know because I'll get that and I'll be upset at that. But I do feel like the majority, if it's an entree salad with meat on it, it's going to be hot. Agreed, agreed, and I think that it should be, and I genuinely think that I'm wrong here. But it is how I feel. Much like uh, when it comes to like a burger, I want. I love lettuce on my burger, but I I would kind of prefer you bring me the lettuce on the side so that I could wait till my burger cooled just a little bit before I put it on there. Because when when lettuce gets warm to me, it tastes like something I want to throw up. You know what I mean? Like I I just like cold, crisp iceberg lettuce should remain ice, you know. But I'd be yeah. fucking pissed. Like, uh, regard. Let's say I didn't order the blackened salmon and I just ordered a Caesar salad, and this is how the Caesar salad showed up. I'd be furious at how extra they went when, if they want to be extra with a Caesar salad, come to the side of my fucking table and make a goddamn Caesar salad the way that you're supposed to make a Caesar salad. Because I'm not seeing any remnants of anchovies over here. You know what I mean? Like. No, Am I wrong? the dressing don't really look like it hits. None of it looks like it hits. This chef needs to get his head out of his ass and, and also, you know. Agreed. Back off the cocaine a little bit or whichever, whatever drug of choice I think is. that's but a he's commentary. Because it's like, uh, what do you mean? Because I feel like there's, it's like a trend. Deconstructed shit is like artsy when it comes to I food think, and whatever. And this is like a half-ass attempt at that that don't at all hit for me. What I think it is is that the chef didn't do this. This was the sous chef. And this is the sous chef um, 
with a commentary because that looks like something with its head up its ass. Do you understand? The bread is the asshole. Yeah. And I think bread that's the sous the chef asshole, being yeah. like, this is this is what you're in for tonight because our fucking chef has his head smooth up his ass. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd smash all this shit. I guarantee you, I, you know, like I'm not against a lot of bread. Yeah, I may not force myself through it. I just hate that pretentious type shit like that, especially when it's like, if it's pretentious in a way that's like, I don't know, like what what I'm trying to say is this is like an attempt at pretentious shit that I don't like when it, even when it's executed well, but this is a poorly executed attempt at that. And that type of shit drives me up the wall when it comes to food. I agree. Let's just get back to some regular Um, old dumb food. What do you say? Yeah, that's cool. I was going to tell you, though, that, like, I've been to three Michelin star restaurants in my life, and humble brag, um, the one that I went to, the first one I went to was the French Laundry, and don't get me wrong, everything was a taste explosion, but it was definitely in the vein of that type of stuff, and then the Michelin star restaurant that I went to the last time I was in Los Angeles, it was amazing food, but everything was served the way that food should be served. You know, like it was just like, here's your pasta and it's on a plate with pasta sauce. Like, and I enjoyed that so much better because I didn't feel like a fucking mm. idiot looking at it. Um, okay. And are you on the one? list here, Trey? The third one? The, th- the third one was the one with me and you. Yes. It was, uh, it yeah. was in, I was, in London. I didn't know if that's, I didn't know if you were, can- I was going to say, if well, you didn't say that one, I was going to say, well, you've been to four then because me and you went to a Michelin star. And yeah. I, that was a, that Angla was a good Bangla one. place. Yeah. Uh, like Indian, like Angla Bangla is like, apparently, it's like, uh, like Tex-Mex, but for British Indian, Indian and England or whatever. It was great. And, uh, I thought, yeah, I thought that place was fire. I, Boy, I I, no, I did. I loved it too, dude. The fucking like bread that we had, it wasn't even bread. It was like, they gave us a basket of Indian crackers and yeah. uh, it, it was awesome. And uh, they, they real fast and loose with the word curry. It's like pudding. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, but I got to tell you, no, that was awesome. And to me, that was all served pretty normal. Yeah. Like how that should be served. So I apologize for forgetting that. Um, on number 11 here, we ended off with the salmon, uh, the seafood moose, uh, which is a terrifying uh, monstrosity. And this one here, I got to tell you, I think that if I could get past the looks of it, it would actually hit for me. Noodle ring filled with cream chicken. What's the first thing you think when you see this? What's your immediate reaction? Uh, I where the noodle? How's that noodles? Is that just like I think noodles it's congealed into like a mold, like Jello I noodles think it's in like, a mold? Because I ain't, I'm not with that. Uh, I, <laughs> I love noodles, but what I'm I not, think I'm not following this. Uh, <laughs> what I think it is is condensed cream of chicken soup that they've mixed with chicken noodle soup and let set for a minute, and it's congealed. Again, I'm not saying that like. I want to go out and get it. I'm just saying that I bet you if you had a bite of it, it's not that bad. Yeah, the taste alone, yeah, it's probably not that bad. The taste alone uh, is probably not that bad. This next, this next one here, this next one is very interesting because I love every single thing about right. it, but together it's weird. It's a frozen pork, beans, and ketchup popsicle. Popsicle. Yeah, it doesn't I, look, dude. The pork and beans is fucking the the song of my youth, culinary and culinary wise, and like, right. I'm all for it. But we were just talking about cold meat versus hot meat, and like, yeah, I don't want a pork and beans popsicle uh, no. at all. Popsicles, you mm-hmm. how you do a pop? Do you bite popsicles or you suck them? You I give, suck you, them. 
you suck them down, I, right? You so, fucking lick them, caress them with your tongue, suck them until they are gone, right? I, I uh, kind of can't even explain the way that I eat a popsicle because it's not biting with my teeth, but I suck it until it gets enough to where with the roof of my mouth and my tongue, I can break it and then suck it. You know what I'm saying? You know that right, process that do they that don't have a word? Pieces of meat. You, you know what I mean? Like, and you and this have is, to bite it. This is a popsicle that you cannot lick or suck, which don't to hit. me is fundamentally uh, incorrect. That's not how a popsicle should ever be. You need to be able to yeah. suck it. You can't suck it. I agree it, with you. Get it out of my face. <laughs> and I have just gone on a diatribe about how me and hot meat and stuff don't go together, but this is where I, pref I prefer my franks and beans to be warm and uh, at the very least not frozen. Now we've yeah. got... Now we've got what is called a simple supper mold, where it, until mm. you zoom in, it sort of looks like pancakes with peas and ham and carrots on it. Are those pancakes? Let's read the ingredients here. It's um, a chicken. You need it's a, a chicken dinner made into a Jello mold, is what it is. Because back then they just made oh, everything God. into Jello molds, evidently. And it's like I would, I cannot express enough how much I would prefer to just have a chicken dinner. Chicken dinner's hit. Chicken dinner's a fucking bacon dinner. and gravy and taters and peas and stuff. But you force put it all in, suspend it all in jello and congeal it together. Give me a slice of a chicken dinner jello cake. No. People in the this, 50s was high, man. Yeah, it was dude, high without being high. I don't... It, I think that the people in the fifties were fucking spoiled is what it was like the fifties. The economy was doing really good. So they were just like, you know what? If the uh, chicken mold ain't good, we'll just eat some of the other food we have. Cause we're doing fine. Cause like that doesn't, that doesn't seem like the meal of someone who's struggling. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, there's too many like good ingredients and, and extra ingredients and stuff. Yeah. And the, the wherewithal to just be like, if it don't hit it, don't hit. Next, we've got uh, something in a similar vein that I, as a dip, maybe it's a spinach and egg mold. To me, that would, of course, it's on the fucking Weight Watchers. <laughs> Goddamn, Weight Watchers has been around forever, ain't it? Yeah, I didn't even think Housewives was fat back then. Well, I think they was like they couldn't be fat Cigarettes. was fat was one hundred and thirty five pounds in the fifties. Yeah. So if you was one hundred thirty five pounds, you had to get on speed from the doctor <laughs> yeah. immediately. Start yeah. smoking cigarettes, <laughs> right? Speed and get your ass on that little uh, vibrating <laughs> rope around your waist <laughs> machine or whatever at the gym. <laughs> Like, that's what you had to do, because you got to get that shit together, fucking Helen. You can't just be walking around at 135 in 1952 America, okay? That's completely unacceptable. You need a bunch of drugs and, and to get strung out until you act right and look right, okay? That's, that's how it's going to be. Don't get me wrong. She did eventually let herself go completely. But do you remember in Mad Men when uh, Betty Frank's wife gained just a little bit of weight and literally everyone in her family and friend group were like, well, she's clearly insane and right. needs to yeah. be hospitalized. What? Dude, up until, up until like 50 years ago, yeah. literally any remote, like any minuscule problem a woman had, it yeah. was like, she's well, she's clearly insane. Yeah, right. She's hysterical. What's your bitch? And she's got witches in her blood. Yeah, right. She's got to go. And like, and they'd be like, yeah, she's hysterical. You better send her to the fucking, uh, you know, the asylum. What was the other word for that? The, the crazy house. The, yeah, the I don't know, loony. but there was a, 
it's not sanatorium. Sanatorium. Some, some, yeah, it was yeah. it, wasn't it? Yeah. Send her over to the sanatorium. And have a lobotomy. lunatic doctor will either cut half her brain out or, you know, <laughs> smush it with a sewing needle. Or, or electrocutor. <laughs> or electrocutor. Or for a while there, they were just fingering them. Did you know that? <laughs> no, get the fuck yeah. out of here. What? Yeah. That was like a, a treatment. Some some doctor really pulled one off uh, with, as far as that goes. Convinced everybody that... Uh, yeah, that was going to cure their hysteria. If men, if that, men that, got the same thing, could, I, I would definitely, be... That could be maybe like an urban legend or something, but I've definitely heard that at multiple points throughout my life, that that was, for well, a time, one of the treatments for hysteria in women. Uh, so That know. bitch just needs to get fingered, is what yeah. that is. Hey, listen, uh, putting on airs, uh, listeners, email puttingonairs at gmail.com if your meemaw used to get fingered by a doctor because your papa thought she was insane. We need confirmation. But I'll tell you this, dude. If they did the same thing for insane men, do you know how even more I'd be playing up my depression than I do now? Sure. Like, dude. I'd be like, just somebody needs to just take me to that white-walled place and jack me off for an mm -hmm. hour, and then I'll be good. I swear That'll to God. That'll do it. That'll that do will it. do it. All right, number 15. Again, with this one right here, I'm not seeing any Jello stuff. It is funny to me to see this in the Weight Watchers recipe cards. The crown roast of Frankfurters, which seems to be a bunch of Frankfurters that are propped up in on, like, lettuce and peppers. Is that what you're seeing here? I guess. I don't know what the hell's in the middle of that. Maybe that's where the jello is. You know, they got to have jello in there somewhere. I was about to say, it looks too good for there not to be jello in there to fuck it up. Yeah. Um, it's also known as the Tower of Wieners. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so name, was our high school locker room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There you go. Uh, number 16, this one doesn't, I don't yeah. feel like this belongs on the list. No, I agree. I'd fuck with that. Hot, Hot mushroom, mushroom. Bar barbecue sauce. And, ain't and, nothing and wrong with that. And this list is from liveabout.com, by the way, and I'm only pointing them out to shit on them. I should have given them credit earlier for the entertainment they've brought us, but it just says the very thought of hot mushroom barbecue sauce hurts our feelings. Why? I don't I don't know. It hurt. I, I'm now kind of mad that barbecue never had sauce it. don't ever have mushrooms have, in it because, like, dude, mushrooms fucking rule. Mushrooms rule. are great in sauces. Dude, I, if it's a hot, like a spicy barbecue sauce that you put, like, cook slash mushrooms in... I can't imagine being mad at that. Put that on a pork chop or something. Like, yeah. Ain't a damn thing wrong with that, as far as I'm Dude, concerned. Mushrooms, I mean, unless you're putting them in like a buttermilk pie or something, I don't think that they have ever taken away from a dish. They've only ever added two. I mean, now, if you don't like the texture of mushrooms, that's one thing. But, like, my mom uh, recently started putting mushrooms in her chili. And I'm not going to lie to you. At first, I was, like, pretty upset at the thought. Just because chili's one of those things where it's like, no, this is how chili is. Uh, but like it makes it's fucking better. It's great with mushrooms in it. So I'm gonna say that one's fucking stupid. Now uh now we get to one that is actually stupid. That is meatloaf jello, which looks like they've made meatloaf and then just dunked it in jello, I think. Yeah, meatloaf already has a shape. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Right. Meatloaf is you already this. sort of a meat cake. So, like, why do you need to make it a cake, uh, you know, right. using Jello? Um, it makes, they've just, they just had a surplus of Jello and they were just having to get fucking rid of it, man. That's all that makes sense. This yeah. next one here, pork with spaghetti supper. Um, 
we'll read the caption here. Look what they did to a perfectly nice pork loin. They couldn't just serve spaghetti on the side. Oh, no, they had to cover it with noodles so it looks like your dinner has worms. Again, in this one, it might be a texture thing, but, like, I'd at least try that. Yeah, so Big Papa Producer sent us a link here. He did some research, and there's this. It's Uh-oh. from the National Institutes of Health about the history of women's hysteria and treatment, and he gave us a quote from it that said that uh, con. Kadranchi, who I assume is a historian, said that midwives, so I guess it was women doing it, said that Mm -hmm. midwives recalling ancient teachings took care of the hysterical women by introducing their fingers into their genital organs in order to stimulate orgasm. And then it says semen production. I don't what Yeah, right. Lady semen, what's up with that? that Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but well, thank you, Dad, uh, (laughs) for that. Uh, well, well, there you go, though. You weren't just pulling. I mean, you were. It's one of the rare times when you pulled something straight out of your butt, but your butt was right. I don't know. My butt be right sometimes. Your butt do be right, butt. but but it's still rare. Like, it's not because you do it all the time, so it's mostly okay. wrong. If you're talking about me just, like, making a supposition out of nowhere where I'm yes. like, I wonder what that was about, and then I'm like, Here's what I think that was about, and then I just go with it, and then that is what I'm talking about. Nothing. Okay. Well, this was not that though. This was me like remembering a thing I had heard before, just not knowing whether it was based in fact or not. Right. Not the same butt talk. As two different types of butt talk is what I'm saying. Yeah, right? you're right. I'm. Okay. I'm sorry. You're. It's you okay. are right. I, I do apologize. Respect. That's my something butt. I need. I do. Re- Trey. I've never respected anything more than your butt uh i think one more because we are not going to get to the other eight uh and this one again too it it, to me it looks like there's some hollandaise sauce on it salmon shortcake this is a campbell's uh soup recipe which i've always been a fan of that is where my favorite casserole comes from the chicken casserole was a campbell's recipe the salmon shortcake blend one can campbell's cream of celery soup with half a cup of milk, one cup drained flaked salmon, one cup drained cooked peas, and a dash of powdered dill. Heat thoroughly. Serve on hot biscuits. I'm sorry. That sounds pretty fucking good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I could get down with that. I could some totally of these, get, again, I mean, some of these I'm sure really weren't that bad. They're just like wild right. by modern standards. Well, but, but that one to me is not even really that wild. Like, that's just like... I mean, you put fish in soup and poured it on a biscuit. Like, that sounds pretty fucking normal. Maybe these people are like such up. The person that made this list is such up their ass that they're like, anything that has to be made with a can of condensed soup is just for the pores, which like it, I guess it is. But like, dude, condensed soup and me and my sister have screamed this from the rooftops everywhere. All that is, is just a roux that's already made for you. You know what I mean? Like, that's why it's so good in casseroles. Like, sure, you could go, you could make your own homemade chicken casserole and make up a little roux with some stock and shit. Or you could just grab some Campbell's cream of chicken and mushroom and throw that bitch in there and it's going to be good. Am I wrong? Buddy, hell no, dude. Campbell's, the canned Campbell's creamed soups are like a staple of fucking Midwestern and Southern, you know. As they uh, ought be cooking like that's just so many things it's just like hey we should do something else to that it's like throw some cream mushroom soup on it bam it hits harder now yeah oh it's very much a thing the way that i first started like when i first started making soups the way that it evolved for me was just it went from i just made your basic cream of chicken soup whenever i wanted soup and then it went from that to oh i wonder if i added this i wonder if i added this wonder if i added this 
to where it's like, well, I'm basically using that as the starting point of what I'm doing. And then, of course, I learned to make my own roux. But, like, I don't think there's anything fucking wrong with it. I don't think there's anything wrong with using a goddamn cake mix either. These pretentious fucks making lists, talking shit about Campbell's. I ain't for it. Yeah, since I got into bacon, I've always been like, you know, it feels like cheating to use a cake mix and everything. But it's like, in terms of, like, the quality, like, I mean, they're it, great. Like, all it is so is pre-measured... I know. All it is is pre-measured the I shit know, that you're going to use like, anyway. I'm like, I got to measure it. You know what I mean? No, like, I hear you. I, dude, dude I you're, you're not wrong. It, I'm screwing You're not this wrong goat. either. I got to measure the flour. You know what I mean? Got to scoop it, buddy, level it. You know? You're not wrong in that there's so many things that I still prefer to do myself, even though there's an easier option. All I'm saying is I don't think people need to feel bad about it. You know what I'm no, saying? Because there are, I mean, again, they're, I mean, they're all pretty fire, uh, honestly. They're fucking so. great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you want to talk about pirates? We should, but shouldn't we take a break first, Trey? Yeah, we'll talk about pirates right after this. The wait is over. Quality steak, free shipping, period. The Backyard Butcher's restaurant quality steak boxes are available now. Get steakhouse quality bulk meat specials responsibly sourced from America Farms delivered right to your door. And right now for a limited time, Backyard Butcher's is offering our listeners 15% off free shipping and four free ribeyes for life. Yes, I said that. Four free ribeyes for life with every subscription. Imagine opening up a box of high-quality steak and being able to recreate the steakhouse experience right in your backyard at less than grocery store prices. That's exactly what you'll get when you order from Backyard Butchers. I've been uh, using them ever since they sent me and Trey our nice box of meat, and it's fantastic. I currently have a, a filet mignon sous vide uh, downstairs that I'm going to use as the base to make some ramen later, and I'm super excited about it. It just, you go to the grocery store and you think, oh, well, this isn't really that expensive. So hey, yeah, you get what you pay for. It's not good. But Backyard Butcher gives it to you for better prices, and it's tremendous meat. Trey, tell them about it, buddy. Well, I think the best part is you can beat inflationary pricing at the grocery store and save big on your family's dinner budget because you can cut out the middleman at the grocery store with responsibly sourced 100% American beef, pork, and chicken sourced from farms all across this country's great heartland. Backyard Butcher's meat is fresh, safely packaged, delivered to your door in an eco-friendly insulated box. Their boxes and packing are specifically designed to keep your meat within the optimal temperature range. They have tremendous customer service, which sets them apart. If you need help with your order or grilling tips to get the most flavor out of your meat, you can chat with their seasoned butchers online seven days a week at BackyardButchers.com. Another really cool thing, you no memberships or subscriptions are required, which also sets them apart. You can subscribe and cancel at any time, or you can try them once, after which point you will want to resubscribe on your next order because you'll love the price, ease, quality, and taste of Backyard Butcher's steak, pork, and chicken. For a limited time, as Cho said, Backyard Butcher's are offering listeners of this podcast a special introductory deal. You get 15% off free shipping and four free ribeyes for life with every subscription. That's four free premium restaurant-quality juicy ribeyes delivered directly to your door in your monthly subscription at significantly less than those inflationary grocery store prices. You'll thank us later when you visit BackyardButchers.com and click on the online shop and place that order, baby. It's going to hit for you so hard. Remember, no subscriptions or memberships required. So why wait? Get your hands on some of the best steak, pork, and chicken you'll ever taste and make your next steak night an event to remember. Visit BackyardButchers.com and use the promo code POA. To get 15% off your order, free shipping, and four free ribeyes 
for life, y'all. That's mm. backyardbutchers.com, promo code POA for one of the hittingest deals out there. Excuse. Get it. Y'all, spring is about to sprung. It ain't sprung yet, but spring about to sprung. But in the meantime, you can get sprung. That's right, baby. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life, and that's especially true in the bedroom when it comes time to step up to the plate, a.k.a. the crotchal region of the one you love, and that's where Blue Chew comes in. Trey, tell them about Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime you want to, day or night, so you can plan ahead to get down or you can just be ready to get down whenever an opportunity comes up. The process is simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. That's the best part of the whole deal. It's all done down there on the internet there, which means you ain't got to go to the doctor's office. You ain't got to have any awkward wiener conversations. You ain't got to wait in line at the pharmacy, run into your high school English teacher. You ain't got to do none of that because BlueChew's tablets are made right here in the U.S. of A., prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package. Cho, it's pretty hard to beat, ain't it? It's insanely hard to beat. That's one of my favorite parts, Trey, because the uh, the lady that owns the pharmacy near me was uh, was also the co-editor of the newspaper with yours truly. And I don't want to go in there and have anybody question the integrity of my wiener because the thing is, there ain't nothing wrong with my wiener. This ain't necessarily just for like, oh, something wrong with my wiener. By the way, if there is something wrong with your wiener, this can help. But the, the thing is, it's like, yeah, sure, you could just, you could cook a steak not on a cast iron skillet, but don't you want to cook a steak on a cast iron skillet don't you want your weenie to be the cast iron skillet of weenies well that's what happens with blue chew i've been using it for five years and i ain't going back so if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform chew it and do it have better sex and we got a special deal for our listeners try blue chew for free when you use our promo code poa at checkout just pay five dollar shipping that's bluechew.com promo code poa to receive your first month for free visit bluechew.com for more details important safety information and we thank blue chew for sponsoring the podcast all right blue chew get you a new deck brand new all right we're back everybody let's talk about <laughs> pirates shame. this one uh again this week is a little bit different i already explained how but it's also a little bit different and i just sort of like really crammed on the subject of pirates read a lot of shit about pirates now just kind of generally want to talk about pirates so well first of all i want to ask cho like when you think of pirates like what is your how do you look at them like what's your general perception of pirates and piracy misunderstood people uh for sure i mean when i was a kid the first thing i would have thought of was uh um Oh, Captain Hook, you know, like that was my mm. introduction into pirates. And then Muppet Treasure Island was was like the second thing. And then now, like it's even though like I actually haven't even watched the last three movies, it's hard to not think of Johnny Depp and the Pirates of the Caribbean. And they sort of sexified him at least or sexified him like he's sort of a sexy, dashing pirate. Um, But I believe that early on in my life, I would have been like all they do is steal and rape. These guys, they just Early love stealing and raping. Okay. Early well, on in like, my life. Well, that's funny because been... I feel like that's kind of the opposite of what I would expect most people to say. Meaning like when I was a kid, well, I no, thought they Hook were the was coolest a bad guy. motherfuckers on earth. Like when I was a kid, I was like, pirates No, because that was bad. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, but it, you're, it's funny. No, I thought they were cool, right. but they were still bad. You're right about everything you said. It's just I'm sort of surprised in the order of it is all I'm saying. Yeah, but, right. Uh, 
the order in which it came to you. And also, for the record, if you want sexified pirates, I cannot recommend enough the Stars original series, Black Sails. Black Sails. Ran in like the mid 20 teens. Uh, it's been off for a while now, but there's five or six seasons. It's fucking fire. It's such a good show. And there's a whole bunch of sexy pirates on there. It's a prequel to Treasure Island. And also is based on like historical accounts of real pirates and stuff. So it's like historical fiction mixed with a prequel to Treasure Island, which Treasure Island is where most of the modern perception of pirates come from and stereotypes and stuff, peg legs, parrots, all that shit, yar, right? Walking the plank. Yeah. Uh, mo- most of all that's from Treasure Island, but Robert Louis Stevenson got a lot of that from like historical accounts and shit. So it's not that it's too far out of left field, but that's kind of the origin of it. As far as piracy in general, Piracy's been around as long as it's been boats, baby. For thousands of years, there's been piracy. But for most of that time, from what I found, like like, like Vikings were pirates, right? right? I mean, essentially. And for most of history, they were like that, meaning they were more like the Iron Islanders. They were like raiders. Yeah. Like right, conquering. raped and pillaged. They pulled up on a place in their boats, got out, fucking pillaged and raped the fuck out of it. Kilt people took the shit and either stayed there and moved on or whatever. But like that was their whole motivating thing, right? Uh, and there was all kinds of them. Uh, the ancient Egyptians dealt with pirates on the Mediterranean. And then Ramses Third squashed a pirate rebellion in like the, you know, 12th century BC. So, I mean, this shit's been going on for a long time. But generally speaking, when people think of pirates and like the classical version of pirates, I'm talking about the golden age of piracy, which was the 17th and 18th centuries, mostly in the, in the Caribbean. Yeah. Long John Silver is uh, fictional. He's from treasure Island, but there, oh, that, yeah. Yeah, that, right. that era and that time frame yeah. and that perception of pirates is what most people think of. Blackbeard's real though, right? He is Edward teach. Blackbeard was probably the most famous slash infamous pirate in history. But anyway, so I feel like, there's absolutely a romanticized view of those types of pirates where it's like, oh, you know, sure, they were roguish outlaws operating right. outside Robin the bounds, Hood. outside the bounds of a society that they deemed unjust. And they were rebelling against these unjust forces and hitting them where it hurts. And yeah, Robin Hood of the seas and all that type of thing. They were democratic. Every man had a voice. They did things by vote. They shared the plunder. You know, amongst the crew, you can make a lot more money being a pirate than being in the Navy back then. We're going to talk about being in the Navy and how much it didn't hit, by the way. But, um, yeah. I, and, oh, know, I figured they, that super hit. There were diverse crews, multiracial right. crews, and women were in pirate crews, you know. Some had well, legs. One of the most uh, successful pirates of all time was a Chinese woman named Shang-Chi, if I'm pronouncing that right. Shang-Chi? Like the Marvel? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I guess, but uh, yeah, yeah, I reckon Shang Chi. That's but badass. Yeah, she was a pirate queen uh, over in uh, the Asian seas, and she had commanded a fleet of like four hundred ships and ten thousand pirates and all this stuff. And uh, so, anyway, it's like, yeah, they were democratic and more open minded than these regressive, archaic times they lived in, and all this shit. And like I said, they were um, pushing back against this the bullshit of society and all that, you know, and, um, and that's like not 
Unturned. Oh, I'm sorry. Ching Shi. Ching Shi. I got it wrong. Okay. Ching Shi. So I mixed up the, the start of the two. Anyway. Um, and that's all like kind of true. But as you already said, they also was super rape and murdery. Yeah. Like they killed all kinds of people all the time. Not all of them. Some of them tried to be nonviolent whenever possible. Others were absolutely bloodthirsty and ruthless. It just depended on the boat and the captain. But like they, you know, and they did try to like, they had a general sort of code about like, you know, punching up, but like, not always. They you so know, like regu- no hitting regular women. people got fucked up. I just mean like their targets were right. You know, rich, large merchant vessels, rich people. Right. Yeah, and and you know, mom British. and pop stores. They're in the clear, right? Ostensibly, they're supposed to be, but like pe- regular people got hurt a lot by piracy because like they'd steal all the fucking you know uh, sorghum or whatever that was <laughs> that was intended to make their room. That was intended for, you know, this colony in South Carolina somewhere. So, like, all the people in that colony now, they ain't got no sorghum. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that type of thing happened a lot. So, pirates really fucked a lot of shit up. But they were kind of also these, you know, rebellious, roguish, Robin Hoody outlaws. So, it's kind of both things at the same time. The Golden Age of Piracy started in the Caribbean when it did because that's when England, France, and Spain started uh killing all the indians and taking all their shit right right and the pirates were like well if if they can do this shit like we're gonna do this shit that's when they got really into that you know they were like that's when they were doing the whole hey y'all us and they were like no we ain't y'all we're us and they're like no y'all us now and then they kill them and (laughs) take their gold right and uh and they take all the gold they take it back to england right and then they bring dudes back from england go there take more shit take it back so they're you know, a lot of traffic in the Caribbean uh, with ships laden with treasure and booty and stuff like that. Also, the navies they were doing this with, Super did not hit to be a part of at all. Do you know what press gangs are? Press gangs? Press gangs. This shit no, is like crazy. P- well, P-R-E-S-S? It, yeah, press gangs. Or uh, mm, the process of a- impressment. It's also like the the practice is called impressment. Oh, impressment. So is that like I want to impress upon someone my authority? So the press gangs would be sort people of. who went out and were just like, oi, 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 and like stab people. So they're like, just so you're impressed by the fact that we could do that, move aside. Not really, but sort of in a way, I suppose. So you could be a dude in 17th century England if you were an able bodied young man. I could not have been a dude be, in the 17th century. You could just century. be out. Just be out at the pub doing your thing, right? And you go to stumble home, and then a bunch of dudes with this type of hat on come out of an alleyway, grab you, and take you to a boat, and now you're in the navy, right? Oh like, my god! Fuck. They would lit- yeah, press gangs. They went around. That's like, kind of how I started working up. at Abercrombie. <laughs> yeah, somebody just saw you and was like, "You sent like them all." Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. Well, you should be uh, complimented by that because I thought Abercrombie part of their whole thing was like. No fat chicks. Everybody here hits. And that I, like part of the Well, thing? I was, I mean, I was 16. So yeah, I was doing fine then. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, they would just kidnap dudes and put them on a boat. And like, now you got to sail for the crown or whatever. And at first I was like, that's fucking crazy. How? Also, they didn't get paid. Right. Right. Like, 
it's you were like, doing your duty. How is that not just slavery? Slavery. The, yeah, it the is. differences were ostensibly it was for a limited amount of time, and they weren't seen as like subhuman the way that <laughs> slaves were. Right? Okay, it's so part-time slavery. Yeah, right. But those but, are really the only differences. But like the conditions were brutal. There was no pay. You were forced to do it in the first place. This super did not hit for people. I mean, what's so, the difference aside from the pay? What's the difference in that and though in the draft? Draft. Where they were just well, like I, you. Well, I was yeah. gonna say. I was going to say, like, uh, I thought when I first read about it, I was like, this is fucking bananas. But then I was like, well, shit. I mean, it's kind of just a draft. Right. It's just a little more, a little bit more direct and sudden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Uh, and traumatic. But like, but there are differences there too with drafts, at least like the, what we think of when we think of drafts. There's like, there are choices and there is right. pay and there's opportunities and there's pension and health insurance and stuff like that. They give you shit in return. If you're drafted right. into at least our military it, with naval impressment, they ain't get how, shit, but how scurvy. Expect, that's all they got. How did uh, they expect those people to live? I mean, I, I assume that right. they have to be providing them meals. Otherwise they would yes. die and be of no use to them. But like right. once, once that's over, there's no GI bill. It's just like on you go. So, yeah, pretty much. So, because of how much that did not hit, tons of sailors who were pressed into naval service, when they got an opportunity, said, fuck this shit, I'm mm -hmm. out, right? And they did that either in the colonies or on a Caribbean island or something. And a lot of those dudes, and they were like, well, we got, what are we going to do? We got to do something. All we know is boats. All we know is boats. Let's do some boat stuff. And also... Fuck those dudes yeah. who did this to us. So that's where a lot of pirates came from. They had been pressed in the naval service. They said, fuck it. And then they started pirating instead. You so know, you got all this trade, all this conflict, all this upheaval, all these boats with all this shit, all going dude, back and forth in the same place, all these disgruntled former sailors. And now, boom, all of a sudden, golden age of piracy, you, right? That's how it came about. You know what this this reminds me of? Fucking, this is Jesse James and the James Gang, dude. Like that's know, the same well, yeah, shit. Well, see, well, it is because, like you know, I said earlier that that or one airhead suggested gentlemen outlaws because, like, yeah, it's basically it's just that, but on the water. It is, yeah, the same exactly. Thing. It's like just you, that, like, but with a boat. Like there's they're they're like a they're a very um uh um uh, polarizing figures but also like you look at them one way and you're like they're violent rapist murderer blah 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 but then you look at the origins of why they started doing that and you go well i mean shit i can empathize with that you know maybe you ought not have gone that far but like i totally feel like I've, i understand why you feel you've been slighted and why you think this is your only choice yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. It's like they put, it's also a little bit like, you know, I ain't trying to get political, but like uh, insurgents and shit in the Middle East. Yeah. I was going to say in the Middle East, like the dudes. <laughs> yeah, that, no, yes, for sure, like, dude. You know, guys that had their whole family blown up when they were eight or whatever, and then you're surprised that they get radicalized. It's like, right. you know, kind of. Kind of like that. But so that led to the golden age of piracy. Do you know at the same time there were privateers? You know what a privateer is? Um, that is a, um, nope, I don't know. Privateer was just a pirate who had permission from his government to do that. Oh, uh, they, okay. It was called a letter of Mark, right? And so like English privateers, they only pirated Spanish and French ships, right? Oh, dope. Whereas pirates, yeah. obviously they took everybody's shit. 
right? But privateers were on a certain side. And they did that because it was like, I was like, well, why don't they just use their Navy? But the privateers, they made money. The way it worked is they plundered a Spanish ship. They keep some of the money, but some of it goes back to England, though. Right. right? But in the Navy, they got other shit to do. And also, it don't work like that. So a lot of people were drawn to being privateers. Instead, they go outside the bounds. They'd Sometimes they'd say, fuck it, I'm taking that English ship. And now they're pirates because they fucked around and you know, did the wrong thing. And also um, if they fuck up, the government can just be like, yes, I don't know this. That's a great, you know? that's a, I was yeah. just about to it's say like, that. It's that like in the a very astute observation. That's one yeah. of the main reasons they did it. Cause plausible deniability. Yeah. Right. If Spain got pissed off, they would just be like, I don't know that motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. He's a pirate. He's doing a, pirate yeah, shit. Exactly. Right? So that, that was a huge reason that they used them. So yeah, good job, Joe. You picked up on Thank that you, real Trey. quick. Um, so there was pi- privateers and pirates all fucking around in the golden age of piracy. And they, uh, you know, a lot of the rules at the time did fuck over regular people and they weren't fair. Like the way England operated, of course, England, you know, England, but not known for their fairness, but no. they had all these rules about how trade was supposed to work and it all benefited the crown and fucked over other people. And so they were like, they did view themselves as like a form of rebellion. You yeah, know what of I course, mean? Like nobody ever push- thinks they're wrong. You know, like no one's ever like. And they also kind of were, because dude, at this at that era, man, fuck England, Spain, and France, all of them. They don't all of them. Like they were stinky butts. They were deep down that colonial rabbit hole and just imperializing the shit out of everything. So I ain't gonna lose no sleep over them. It's just that again, there were some uh, collateral Collateral damage. damage. Yeah, and uh, and it's kind of hard to justify in terms of like fancy you know we talk about fancy people and so i was like you know we're pirates or privateers so they come from fancy backgrounds ever and there were some i i I, for some reason got the impression that privateers were like british landowners who who also own their own our flag means death yes that guy too i was about to bring up i didn't know if you'd watch that show or not but that, that was a real dude his name's steed bonnet and he was called a gentleman pirate because he was a wealthy land, the son of a wealthy landowner in Barbados, right? So he had plantations and shit, and apparently a bitchy wife who didn't hit for him. <laughs> and at one point, he was like, "I'd just rather be on the ocean all the time than be around here." <laughs> uh, he was just he he was you know lured by the promise of adventure and riches and stuff, so he left his like gentry life behind and became a pirate mm-hmm. despite the fact that he ain't no shit about boats right. sails water or none that, of that stuff that's the ego of a rich kid right there it's just like hey, all i can do it you know but he did have the money and the resources he was paying people so they stuck with him for a minute and then he came under the tutelage of edward teach blackbeard which is also covered in the show our flag yep. means death right uh in the show uh they be gay together and i think yep. that's a pretty good historical assumption actually i'm not saying that they were but if you there was no at, women right and it's prison dude. blackbeard took him took this totally clueless fancy lad who's trying to be a pirate the hittingest pirate on earth takes him and puts him under his wing and they become like this and that dude's his yeah. right hand man and all that stuff it's like it's like all oh, right okay so yeah that's your friend yeah you keep yeah yeah Y'all right. are roommates all right we get everybody's winking and shit like it seems like that type of deal to me but I don't it's think also that's funny too that confirmed 
you know that there were people that when they when they're watching that show, they're like, God damn it, they're making they're making this woke fucking Blackbeard and this guy weren't gay. Quit making them gay. They raped and they pillaged and they stole. They weren't gay. Like that's right. the problem that they have. Yeah. But yeah, dude, yeah. I guarantee you there was so much butt fucking going on in in pirate world and i don't mean that as a slight like of course there is like you're around people long enough you get out there on the ocean you start seeing mirages and you're just like there's a i, I need any butts just a butt a butt will do i want to yeah. ask you this that's why they say <laughs> navy dudes are all gay. that's why the stereotype about navy yeah. dudes is that they're gay there's a saying it's not gay if you're underway that's what they say exactly do you think that these people like sat up at night after a hard day's like work and like talked about like like hey hey man do you, so do you like the pillaging or the raping more i'm a rape guy you know what mm -hmm. i mean i know we got to do it both like me and you after a show when we're like breaking down what we like about being on stage do you think they did that with like pillaging and raping i can definitely see some dudes being more into pillaging you know yeah. uh, for sure but pillaging has always seemed to like fly a little bit under the radar for me like Rape is doing most of the heavy lifting when people Agreed. talk about raping and pillaging. For me, I'm like, you know, pillaging just goes with it. But it's right. also like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm mostly focused on the one thing. Well, yeah, right. If you said to a town, hey, we're going to come in here and we could either rape or pillage you, I think the whole town would be like, pillage, please. I don't know. I think back then, especially, the men would be like, right, but you don't mean like us, right? Because if right, not, right. if not, then the first go, thing. Go That's fine. Because I ain't, I ain't, I ain't trying to get this, uh, you know, this stash pillaged over here. I got, right. you know, I got some, I got some crops and shit. I'd rather not be pillaged. But if you want to do the other thing, I did they ever think of asking first? <laughs> did, they, did they ever think of going in the town and go, hey, before I start yeah. the raping and pillaging, could could we just have it and y'all move no, on? Dude, yes. At the, okay. All the time. They did that all the time. I, I said earlier that some of them preferred to be nonviolent. That's what they would do. They would like. Oh, well, that's either, nice. They would, they would board a ship or whatever. They'd trick them. They'd fly like if it's a French ship, they'd put up a French flag. So they think it's a friendly right. ship that's like in need of help or something. Right? right. And so the other ship comes over and then they're like, surprise, motherfucker. Pirates. Got you, bitch. And they jump on the. <laughs> And they jump on the other boat. They board the other boat. And then they're basically like, look, look around. Here's the deal. We pirates. You know how it is. We will <laughs> rape, pillage, and kill every one of y'all motherfuckers. Or you can just give us all that sorghum and silver that you got. Yeah. And we'll be on our way. And oftentimes, people just gave the shit up. So, I mean, that That's, I, really, yeah. that was like what they, I would. most of them tried to do. Yeah. Because, you know? like, but they I've ended always, up murdering still. But, yeah. I think, I think about the song, Don't Take the Girl or whatever. And I'm like, I'll never be, like, if I'm ever in the situation, if, the, if a dude comes up to me with a gun and is just like, give me all your shit, guess what? That dude's getting all my shit sure, right that dude. second. Absolutely. I don't give, I'm not a proud man. I don't give a no. fuck. I don't care if my wife's looking at me doing well, it. You're and also my father not an idiot. Right there. You're a fucking yeah, idiot. Just like, if you try, I'll if go, I'll got get a gun more and shit. want your wallet and you try to push back out of pride. I know dudes who would though. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I do too. But then they'd be dead as fuck. Yeah, right. Exactly. They can be proud in the goddamn ground, I guess. I'll be a pussy up here. Dude, I'd start offering this motherfucker things he didn't even know I had. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, you come back to the house, we got a stew going, and also I got a flat screen. Like, whatever you need, dog. 
So in terms of privateers, there's one you probably heard of. He's arguably the most famous privateer of all time, Sir Francis Drake, right? Um, okay, I don't know if I've heard that name. Oh, I feel like he came up in history classes. I've definitely heard that name Fran- before. I, it, Sir it don't Francis sound Drake. not familiar, but... yeah. Most famous English privateer of this era, he became the first Englishman to circumnavigate the globe, which, according to the shit I read, he kind of did on accident. He was just, <laughs> he just got he lost. Got, he got so carried away in whooping Spanish ass that <laughs> by the time by the time he got done, they're like, "Oh shit, we circumnavigated the whole globe." <laughs> right. I didn't realize that. The world. I was just trying to fuck all these Spaniards ass. up. Yeah, right. And uh, next thing you know. Back where I started. That's kind of cool. Uh, Sir Francis That's Drake amazing. also, uh, fun fact, uh, if you could call it that, Sir Francis Drake also helped to found the English slave trade of the era. So, oh. So he had that going for him. Wasn't yeah. all bad then, huh? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Very accomplished man, that Sir Francis Jesus Drake. I mean, Women pirates. Uh, okay. Two. Two famous ones, I mean. It's not that they were the only ones. Mary Reed and Anne Bonney. Uh, they got to get Anne, better names. And Bonnie was a uh, a rich girl. She was the daughter of a plantation owner in Charleston. And you talk about rebelling about Americans being pirates. Like, yeah, no shit. You know what I mean? Like fucking Lord God, it don't get me. You know, normally they just like yeah, they like bad boys or whatever. But hopefully right. they get over it at some point. Well, her bad boy was a fucking pirate, and Jesus. now she's on the seas raping and pillaging and stuff like that. Mary Reed uh, was not from a wealthy background, but got sucked into it sort of the same way. They ended on the same boat together and reportedly... Uh, the two women? Were, yes, on the same boat That's together, crazy. Sailing under Calico Jack Rackham, who I don't know about the real dude, but on the show Black Sails, he's... That's my boy. I love that motherfucker. That's he a so great that name. Calico Jack Rackham, who reportedly all three of them together... Was uh fucking and stuff. They was all nice. they was in a they was in a triumvirate, a menage a trois situation. The women loved each other. They both fucked with Rackham. They got caught in seventeen twenty, I believe it was, and the two women were spared because they both were pregnant. And Calico Jack's probably up there on. He got hung, but he's probably up there on the gallows, yeah. just like yeah, that's right, motherfuckers. You think? <laughs> yeah, you know right. what I mean? dude. It's like y'all never- know, huh? <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> uh, I've never heard a name. Where a, a three named person were on their own, all the names stood up in any order that you wanted to say them. Like Calico, if that's your name, that's awesome. Calico Jack, that's amazing, right? Calico Jack Rackham, amazing. Jack Rackham, Calico Rackham, just yeah. Rackham. Like that's such a fucking badass trio. It is a, a super hidden name. The two women were spared because they were both pregnant. Um, Mary Reed died later from complications from pregnancy, but Anne Bonnie survived, had the baby, ended up being like ransomed back to her rich daddy in Charleston and lived to be like 84 or something like that. So she actually got out of it alive. That's the other thing. Most of them didn't, you know, I mean, right. pretty much all of them got killed. It was like uh, being in the mob. Like that yeah. death is kind of something that you just sign, kind of sign up for. Boy, Cal- Calico Jack fucked them all though, didn't he? A couple other random things. You know what keel hauling is? Keel hauling yeah. um, sounds German, but I don't know what it is. No, it was pirate. Uh, yeah, but doesn't keel hauling sound like a German thing? I guess so. I don't know. It's just I've learned it in the context of pirates, so it just sounds super piratey to me. But uh, what is it? 
So if you fuck up on a pirate ship, one of the things they might do to you is they tie you to a rope, right? And the mm. rope is on, like you're hanging from this side of the ship and the rope is on like a pulley system that comes up around the other side of the ship. So they drop you in the water and drag you underneath the bottom of the boat. Like, so you're scraping up against the oh, bottom of the boat ooh. and then pull you up the other side. And it right mostly, before you drown. Most, no, it mostly killed people. They either, because <laughs> those boats, those boats, they were covered with barnacles and barnacles. shit. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. like smooth fucking wood. Right. There's, there was oysters keep, and shit. Keep bringing the show up because I really can't express enough how hard this show hits. But there's a scene in Black Sails where they do a kill hauling and it's fucking gnarly. It's brutal. All them barnacles cut them up and shit. And oh. it was pretty much a death sentence for the most part. Another random thing. What if you I live, though? Like, that Would they be like, oh, damn, yeah. look at you. Well, I think it depends on the crime. Uh, right. Like, in the show, the guy does live, so they just do it again until he finally <laughs> dies. And I'm sure they did that a lot. But I think sometimes that if you live, they just be like, all right, now you know. you know. Yeah, right. And uh, Don't do that. Another random thing, I kind of feel like pirates uh, were the rappers of their day because they were okay. known for being very flashy and flamboyant, shot, yeah. you know, fl flossing all their riches and their loot and stuff. Yeah. Look at all my shit, motherfucker. Look at all this booty. They love booty. You know, they had like gold teeth and fucking, right. fucking flashy ass clothes and mahogany birds legs, on their, birds on their shoulder and stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, they was like, yeah, big was, boy uh, got birds. They was putting on big boy do got birds, but mm -hmm. yeah, it was just really flossing. And then, um, I guess the only thing, cause I've gone for long enough and I'm, you know, uh, the end of the golden age of piracy, uh, came about because the region got more stabilized and trade routes got established and like treaties between the different countries and stuff. So they like kind of, um, First of all, they had established trade routes that they guarded better. So it became much a much more risky proposition to try to pirate shit. And also it became more lucrative to just do it to like go straight. You know what I mean? To like right. do it to you know, to go uh is it what what's the word in mobster movies where they do that? Is it going straight? What do they call it? Going, where you going straight, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah it became straight. more lucrative to go straight, more risky to stay a pirate. The country's yeah. kind of banded together to push, to squash it all down. And eventually, you know, as is often the case, the imperious power, powers won out and uh, survived the pirates. And that was kind of the end of it. I'm certain there were so many other rad things well, about pirates I wanted to say, but that's a, a good general overview, I think, of pirates well, I think of that the Caribbean. I think that you should do, uh, or maybe we should do, like collaborate for a Professor Cho-ish type segment on, like I loved hearing about pirates, but I think that like now that we've gotten all that out of the way, we could just do a Blackbeard episode because I know that that motherfucker's got some, you know, yeah, sh shit that you couldn't you couldn't have got to, you know. He had a bunch of pistols strapped to his chest in bandoliers, right? So he was strapped up with a bunch of pistols. He would put lit fuses in his beard and his hair, so he looked like he he tried to make people think he was the devil, right? Because he was right. like smoking, like he's smoking everywhere and on fire. And he was, I mean, he was a pretty wild motherfucker. And there's conflicting reports about him being especially brutal, but there's also historical accounts of him being like really lenient and sparing people and spare and especially women and children and that type of stuff. So he's a complicated and nuanced figure that Blackbeard. There's a lot of other, that's the thing. There's a bunch of other like, yeah, pretty rad ass pirate like individuals, but yeah, let's I do it. Wanna, I didn't want to get into, I knew yeah, if I tried to do that's that for later. too, 
uh, then it would just go forever. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Saved him for more episodes. And by the way, the BPP. I don't know if you noticed, but he's still on his shit here. Uh, he sent us a link, the history of gay pirates saying, yeah, it was a thing. And he's got us some quotes here. Queer relationships at sea were not uncommon during the golden era of piracy, 1650s to the 1730s. Relations between men was often encouraged at the time men on the ship. By the way, this is from the Roosevelt Review.org. Um, at the time, men on the ship knew more about their crewmates than even their wives and the children on land. This drew in a lot of queer men to piracy. Uh, Reed and Bonnie both disguised themselves. Oh, this is about the women. Reed and Bonnie yeah, I both disguised. I left that part out. I should have mentioned that. They like right. disguised themselves as men to become pirates. The rest of that, though, Which is basically in- just says what I said about them already. Okay. They ended, okay, up, they, right they ended up all Which in that a relationship was in- together. That was in um, our our flag is death. The 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 woman uh, disguising themselves as a man, right? So yeah, yeah dude, I fucking yeah. Both loved of those it. characters are also in uh, Black Sails. Them, Calico yeah. Jack, fucking fictitious pirates like Long John Silver's in it. Captain Flint is in it from Treasure Island, but also real ones like Charles Vane, Benjamin Hornigold. It's a super rad show. Airheads, if you haven't watched it, you should watch it because it kicks a whole lot of ass. Anyway, that's it for Pirates. Well, and we'll be back right after this with history professor telling the subject old blue eyes himself, Frank Sinatra. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Listen, guys, I think we all know getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process. I know it has been for me because we're people. People grow and people change. You know, I feel like if you look back on yourself at 23 and you ain't sort of thinking, what the hell was that person all about? Then, you know, maybe that's indicative of some issues you're having now. We're always growing. You know, I didn't know myself at 23. I feel like I know that guy a little better now that I'm 36. But do I know myself at 36? That's hard to say. What's 47-year-old me going to think about 36-year-old me? These are questions we all go through. And what helps with this process is therapy, of course. Therapy is all about deepening your own self-awareness and understanding. Because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react to things the way we do until we have an opportunity to talk through those things. Don't live inside your own head. Let somebody else in there, somebody that knows what they're doing, somebody that can help you out. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever your starting point happens to be. Cho, you've had some experiences here. I have, and it's sincerely, uh, I, I rank it amongst the better decisions that I've ever made. I got to throw it to marrying my wife to number one, sure, but... Uh, finally going to therapy as someone, you know, like yourself who was, you know, born and raised in the country. This was not really something that was kind of put to us as an option. And then I finally, you know, started listening to people and they were like, hey, man, listen, it's your brain. Like if you hurt your arm, you'd get your arm treated, right? Well, your brain's hurt, Corey. You tell us all the time how your brain's hurt. Do something about your brain. So I did. And uh, along with medication, I'm a better person now. But really, I, I, I think most of it's the therapy, learning how to react to things better, finding out about myself and just learning how to become, you know, a better person. And it, it really genuinely I, I, I look at my life as a BT and AT before therapy and after therapy and after therapy is a much better dude and a much happier dude. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. And I would also like to add, it was very important to me 
that I got a therapist that sounded like me. He was also a country dude. That made it very easy. So you can pick your own person. If it ain't working out, no one's going to take it personal. You can switch. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash POA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash POA. Y'all, let me ask you a question. Do you have any idea how much your monthly subscriptions cost? I bet you don't. I mean, I damn sure don't. I can tell you that right now. If you ask most Americans, they'll tell you they probably spend around $80 a month on their various subscriptions, when in actuality, the total is usually closer to $200 a month. You know how it is? You sign up for the little, oh, put my face on a funny gift thing. Uh, that's that's worth $5 a month. Easy. And then, you know, within two weeks, you've forgotten that ever existed. You do that a few times. Next thing you know, few hundred dollars a month you're spending on stuff you don't even remember you have if you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month then you need rocket money y'all rocket money formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place over 80 percent of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show on or that free trial you never even got around to using Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel, and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. That ain't no joke, Joe. No, it ain't no joke. Uh, I'm saving quite a bit more than that. We just started using Rocket Money, and yeah, um, the things you said with the putting a GIF on your face, I was actually subscribed to uh, several of those, thinking like, mm -hmm. I'll just use it now, and then I'll cancel it. And then, of course, I didn't, right? Mm -hmm. I was subscribed to a Swedish streaming service that I only used once. I've saved like well over $200 because I'm an idiot. You know what I put that money towards, Trey? What? new subscriptions that uh yeah, yeah i was like well i can afford these other subscriptions now right but in a year i'll go back use rocket money again and we can just restart the cycle all over you can save a lot of money i mean like the amount of money i'm saving i could take all that money every month and go get like my clothes tailored you know what i mean so like use it for stuff that you need not stuff that you don't need stop throwing your money away cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocket money dot com slash poa that's rocketmoney.com slash poa rocketmoney.com slash poa all right we're back let's do it frank sinatra history professor cho uh you know, I feel like I know the things that most casual people of this era know about Frank Sinatra, which is, you know, I didn't know, like you, you said earlier, he came from relatively humble beginnings or whatnot, but you know, a fucking Rat Pack, crooning, movies, hitting like a motherfucker, all women wanted to be with him, all dudes wanted to be him, uh, you know, whiskey, smoking, the mob, suits, Vegas, on and on. Yeah, well, you left out the thing that he is most famous for, which, of course, is writing the theme song to Married with Children, right? So that was... What? Yeah. Love and Marriage. Love and, and Marriage. marriage. Yeah. Come on. That's really what put old Blue Eyes on the Mizzy map. Sure. That's a great show, though. Great sitcom. That is a great show. And what an insane concept. A high concept. Married with children. 
and go. Uh, here's the deal. Here's what I want to talk about up top about Frank Sinatra. It's really more about people like Frank Sinatra than it is just him specifically. But I've talked about this before, but not at length and definitely not on this show. But something that I truly miss and and I, I I say I miss it, even though I wasn't really even around for it. I long for a time that I didn't even belong to. You, when a man, a grown man, would sing a song, you know what I mean? Like we don't have any of these motherfuckers now. Like Michael Bublé is up, here. Yeah. yeah, okay, and that's fair, and he does. But like he's the exception that proves the rule. He's the only one that you can really name. You've got your Andrea Bocelli's, like your opera kind of guys. But back in the day, there were just men who sang songs. You had Frank Sinatra, you had Dean Martin, you had Sammy Davis Jr., you had Mel Torme, you had Tony Bennett. Like, there were just men who sang songs, and it wasn't, and I don't want to get all fucking papaw here and be like, well, that's because we don't have any men left. I love Harry Styles. I Dude, will go to my grave defending well, my love Aren't you also Styles. limiting this just to a certain genre, though? Because, dude, there's plenty of, like, man, like, I would say both, like, uh, Chris Stapleton and Jack White no, are no, men, no, no. and, you know, like, fucking Sturgill's they, a man. No, no, no. Like, They're singing... Yeah, but they're with a band. They're with a band, and they're not doing like so. Yes, I guess I kind of am doing genre or whatever. But those are those are dudes with a band, and also they're playing instruments, which makes it a little bit different to me. I'm talking about a fucking man a in a suit walking on stage, a goddamn crooner. Yeah, like those people don't exist, and like. Nowadays, there's like, you know, Adam Levine will go up there and kind of croon. Harry Styles will go up there and kind of croon. But my point is, is that these are not people for whom um, gr like other grown working men openly admit that they like. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And Michael Buble, Michael Buble, as much as he is a and I'm not calling him a ripoff because he's fucking talented as shit. Uh, Harry Connick Jr., as much as like these dudes are talented and they're doing some old standards, you won't hear a fucking greaseball from Queens talking about how much they love Michael Bublé. However, Frank Sinatra doing the exact same thing, he was, as you said, the women wanted to be with him and the men wanted to be him. Like I just I just missed that. And I wish that we had that where we could all sit there and go, that fucking guy can sing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I no, I hear you and I'm with it. I just feel like it's uh I don't know. There's no way to prove this. I just feel like if that style of music had maintained right. its popularity, because another thing we don't really have right now, and you could find examples and everything, but like we also don't have very many fucking kick-ass rock stars either. You know what I mean? Because That's true. Like rock, cause That's true. rock music is kind I know of why that is though at the moment and like that lounge singing the current whatever that you call that style of music it's just like it just kind of aged out and basically doesn't exist anymore i feel like if it still did exist and like was popular there'd probably be dudes who do it and there'd probably be meatballs who were like yeah guys fucking great you know like well it's just not a I thing know why anymore I know why the rock star doesn't exist anymore, and maybe it's the same reason that the crooner doesn't exist, because a lot of it has to do with mystique. And uh, <clears throat> me saying this, you know I'm lifting this from Drew's, uh, a, a bit that Drew had a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, which was basically, like, behind the music and shit, like, 
killed rock stars and like Twitter and Facebook has killed rock stars because back in the day with people like Aerosmith, you only heard what they wanted you to hear about them. You know what I mean? Like you didn't, you didn't know what fucking Steven Tyler had for breakfast because there wasn't a fucking blog. So like these dudes could move in mystery and there was a mystique created about them. And I suppose that like Frank, Sammy and Dean, that was kind of a similar thing. Like you would hear these outlandish stories about Frank, but there was never video evidence to either prove it or refute it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they were able to just be like, yeah, they're connected with the mob. You never had a fucking video of goddamn Frank Sinatra, you know, wearing a mask going to Starbucks. You know what I'm saying? Right. But like, yeah, I, I feel I feel you in that regard. But like with Sinatra, uh, the reason I wanted to talk about him, because, you know, I do a lot of British. Uh, I do a lot of British history and like actual royals. And Frank Sinatra was by no means royal. But you really can't deny that Frank Sinatra left an imprint on society that when you see just like even the outline of him with that fedora, with a cigar, with a uh, Jack Daniels rocks glass, which Jack Daniels was his favorite drink, by the way. Did you know that? I has I that it it. super hits for me, and I know it probably don't hit for you because uh, you're not a fan. But I, as, as a Tennessean, no, I well, no, love no, no. That's what's up. No, no, no. You're, you, no, you're wrong. It does hit for me. Even though I'm not a fan of Jack Daniels whiskey, I'm a fan that this guy who could have had any whiskey that he wanted chose the one from Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, cause I'm not against Jack Daniels as a brand. You know what I mean? I genuinely just don't like the taste, but that to me is such a cool thing about him. Cause you know, that dude could have had $700 bottles every fucking night. And he was like, nah, mm -hmm. I like Jack Daniels. That's another thing that sort of brings him to our level you know and that's why he was such a complicated figure because like he's the tuxedo he's the limo he's the he's the you know popped collar whatever but at the same time he's like i want a cigarette and a jack daniels come here broad you know mm -hmm. so he's got those like trash when i say trash roots he was born uh december 12th one day after me, 1915 in Hoboken, New Jersey, to Italian immigrants. So he's a first-generation born American. Okay. And uh, Hoboken, I don't know really much about it other than, like, it's got a stigma for being, like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, get get the fuck out of Hoboken. You know, go somewhere, get, get to New York if you're in Hoboken. Um, he also had a very very traumatic welcome into this world because while he was after he was born uh by the way guess how much this motherfucker who is he ends up being five foot like five he's a tiny dude a lot of people I'm, say he's, I, I, i'm not surprised by that because so many of those dudes are like way smaller than yeah. you think they are so but still it's wild to think about. It's wild to think about like standing next to Frank yeah. Sinatra because he's five, larger than life. Five, five is, I mean, you know, that's a pretty little. That's feller. tiny. Yeah, yeah. And then a lot of people in his life would say that like that was sort of uh, the reason for his hair trigger attitude. They they were like, he's got classic Napoleon complex. He grew up in you know the tough Hoboken neighborhoods, and he's five five. So like. He had to try to peacock and make himself seem bigger than he actually was. You know what I mean? Uh, but when he's born, how much do you think this this guy that ends up being 5'5", five five, how much he weighed at birth? Well, because you put it that way, I guess I'll guess like 10 pounds, 2 ounces or something. 13 Damn. pounds. That is a big-ass baby. Fucking, dude, because, because 
seven pounds is still considered a decent sized baby. And this is like almost fucking twice that. So How big was you? 13 was you an baby. elephant baby? Because I could say that. I think I was like six nine. Oh, okay, or something. I was like a that. Big, I was a big baby. I was nine pounds. By, six but it was all head. Yeah, right. It was all head, though, buddy. Dad, you can text us how much you think I weighed if you fucking remember, which you don't, which is fine. Um, <laughs> uh, he was he was thirteen pounds, and he had to be delivered uh, with forceps, those like mm-hmm. the jaws of life, mm-hmm. to get a motherfucker out of a car. They had to do that to his mom's snatch to get this fucking huge baby out of there. Sorry, I've, I've, I've been watching a lot of Sopranos and reading a lot of Sinatra, right. so I'm like, hey, it's fucking yeah, broad snatch. Fucking That's not snatch. how I talk. Get that fuck you out of there, you, you know, yeah. Hey, get in yeah. there, you fucking... Uh, so, yep, Dad said six pounds, nine ounces sounds kind of right. That's right, six, nine. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's kind of raving nice. that I was born six, nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, super nice. So they had to pull him out uh, with the forceps, and he's blue, and he's not breathing. And at this time, in 1915, they see a baby that's blue and not breathing. And the doctor's like, Smack the well, shit out of it. There you, there, <laughs> no, 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 no. The doctor immediately gave up on it. Oh, the yeah. doctor hey, just do? sat it on at the, the doctor just sat it on the corner and he started attending to the mother because she had obviously been going through a lot, having this fucking boulder pulled out of her coach. So he's attending to the mother and has completely like hasn't even called anybody else in to be like, hey, see if you can fix this baby while I attend to the mother. What happened was Sinatra's mom's mom, Sinatra's grandmother was in there and she picked up Sinatra, the dead baby, ran him under cold water and slapped the fuck out of him. And he started breathing. I'm surprised and that's the, the only- doctor didn't try. I thought the slap. I know. I thought the slap was like was standard a thing. operating procedure with babies. You just hold Agreed. them up, smack the fuck out of them. Welcome to Earth, motherfucker. This is how it goes around here. Uh, so yeah, that doctor, I feel like he just he just wasn't trying at all. Thank God. Well, thank he God was, for Nana. Is the cold water? Is that some old country shit? Is that what it is? Like, I guess yeah. like that'll wake anybody up. Mm-hmm. To be fair to the doctor, he was probably trying to light a cigarette. Right. You know what true. I mean? Yeah. Like he's got shit going on. Um, the forceps that they use to get the fucking blue eyes out of the ladies hoo-ha uh left the scar on his face so when he was a kid he had much like uh al capone he had the nickname of scarface now the reason that we don't know him as scarface or you probably can't remember the fact that frank sinatra has a scar on his face is because he went into entertainment early and he had never there was never a time where he was seen where he didn't have makeup on so you would have never seen that but he did have he did have a huge scar on his face, which sort of like ties him into that mob mystique that he was always known for. Him and Capone had the same nickname. So he begins singing at a young age, even though his mama, like it super didn't hit for his mom. Like she thought that that was trashy. She thought that he should, you know, fucking make something of himself. But he made it clear to her that's like, look, this is what I'm going to do. So she... She was a very influential woman in the neighborhood, but not because of money, but because of she was a midwife and she would perform illegal abortions for people. Alt. So, yeah. So she would perform illegal abortions for people. And because of this, Frank actually grew up a fairly progressive 
dude. Like that was a normal thing to him. She was like, listen, some people need this and I'll do it for them. And so because of that, there was probably a lot of like, you know, congressmen and people that were in her, like she was sort of in their pocket because like they would help out their daughter when she got knocked up by some quote guinea from down the street, you know? And so she was able to get him like the best uh, singing instructors and the best music classes and stuff like that. Cause she's like, look, if you're going to fucking do this stupid shit, you're going to be the best at it. And the thing about Frank that a lot of people don't know. And frankly, I didn't know this either because, and, and, and this is, I'll, I'll admit right now that this is a fault of mine and I should have never thought this, but there was a time in my life up till pretty, I'll say pretty recently, maybe five, six years ago where I didn't, consider someone who all they did was sing an artist the way I considered someone who wrote the songs yeah. and sang them an artist. I mean, I've always kind of felt you know that what I mean? I've always kind of felt that way too. I know that that was like the but, standard for a very long time, but my whole life I've right. always anybody who writes the songs that they sang, I've always had like more respect for uh general yeah because in your mind you're like well that voice is god gave you that yeah you had to work you had to work on the other shit right which obviously by the way is not true because there's if you're if you're born with a great voice that's one thing but in order to get it to the next level you still have to train your voice like a muscle you know what i mean like if you're born with a naturally good golf swing if you don't practice, you're not going to be in the PGA. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't like you can be born natural all you want, but you're going to have to work at it. And so that was very wrong of me. But apparently uh, scholars who talk about Frank Sinatra and the, the people that have written his autobiographies and like people that are like huge into the music world will tell you that Frank Sinatra is a one of one musical genius that comes along maybe once every hundred years. Really? Because yes. Why? Why? Because what? Frank, Frank was also a natural composer. He actually knew notes. He understood how notes worked and stuff like that. So he wasn't just going in there going, play it in F sharp, baby. Buy me to the moon. Like he could actually, he would, he would halfway conduct the orchestra and he knew how like my voice works better this way. So you're going to, you're going to change that F sharp. You're going to make it an F flat. Okay. Then we're going to come in with a hi hat here. And so he was a director of sorts and the way that he would take lyrics that should go one way, but he's like, I'm going to hit it here because if I hit it here, I can get, he, he was, um, he was a genius at understanding the emotionality of lyrics. If you said them certain ways, like people would give him songs and they would sing it to him. Like, this is how it should be sang. And he could come back to him and go, if I sing it like that, nobody's throwing their panties at me. Mm -hmm. You understand if I sing it like this. Right. And, but he was like a, like, Per a lot of people, if he decided to be a maestro, he would have been one of the best maestros in the world because he just understood the relationship in notes between the saxophone, the trombone, the snare, all this shit. And that's why when he was on stage, he could just get in the pocket and he could improvise music and stuff because he just he understood how it was all laid out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he and was, I would have never thought that. Yeah. So he just had a musical mind. Like he just had it like he, that. Yeah. He could just yes, play. He's a savant yeah. or whatever. He could just he could just play. He knew way more than someone who is just give me the words and I'll sing them. Mm-hmm. Like he he could have he could have conducted. 
So he drops out of, uh, he begins singing at a young age. He performs in the talent show. He gets on the radio. Uh, he drops out of high school to pursue music full time, eventually joining a group called the Hoboken Four, right? He, he leaves them uh, to join the Harry James Band as their lead singer. And then after that, he gets picked up by this band called the Tommy Dorsey Band. The Tommy Dorsey Band was a huge fucking swing type band back in this day. Like they were hot shit and they heard him and they were like, hey, we need a lead singer. We got to get this guy. And this is one of my favorite things that I've never known. Um, Frank Sinatra and the Tommy Dorsey Band had the very first number one hit on the very first Billboard chart ever. Hey, the okay. first time the Billboard chart was a thing. Frank Sinatra and the Timmy Dorsey band were the ones that charted. He then goes solo. What's it called? You know what? That's, uh, I don't fucking know. I had it earlier and I didn't type it into my notes. It's not, I'll never smile again because that was his first solo hit. Uh, BPP look up the Tommy Dorsey band. Number one billboard chart, Frank Sinatra. We'll get it in a minute. Um, so he, he, he comes out. He's like, you know, fuck this band shit. I rule. I'm going to be solo. And a, a lot of people don't know this because we only know Frank as like the Rat Pack guy, the man's man, the fucking rare steak and cigar guy. But when he first started out, he was basically the equivalent to Justin Bieber. Mm -hmm. You know, like he exclusively um, he played to teenage girls and they went fucking insane for him if there was a tiger beat magazine back in these days frank sinatra would have been on the front cover but like uh, what, and, what did that like what did that even sound like in like 1938 or whatever do you know what i mean like what was the fucking tiger beat that's boy a great question equivalent for them back there or at that time you know what i mean swing i feel like it was probably like, swing yeah i I think it was probably the swing shit, like maybe not like when he advanced to like the, you know, fly fucking me to boogie the, woogie bugle like, boy from Company B. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. I, I I really do think yeah. that that's what it is. And by the way, that's a fantastic song. Yeah, and I love. Sure. And also, I think we could probably play that on this podcast because it's probably in the public domain. Um, but so when he starts out, he gets hooked up with this agent that's like, you're the new, you're the new shit in town, kid. I'm going to take you to the moon. All right. And he, and Frank's like, fly me there. You know, Oh, that's yeah. a good song. So, but here's, here's what's interesting. His first, like he was huge with the teenage girls, but his, it's because this agent or manager or whatever early on was like, I'm going to hire teenage girls. I'm going to pay them $5 a pop and give them free concert tickets. And he trained them to come in there and scream at certain times and say certain things like yell certain things like, Oh, Frank, you're a dream boat. Yeah. Oh, you flutter my flutterer, yeah, you know, right. like whatever it is. But once, but once this guy did this and then created the buzz, then it just became a thing that people did. So they didn't have to do it That's anymore. It's like the audience rude. It's shrewd, but it's also like, fuck, you know, they got $5. He got a career. What are you going to do? Yeah. But like, that was, uh, that was, you know, cause he, it, it, it was George Evans. He just didn't leave anything up to chance, dude. So yada, yada, yada. As you know, uh, Frank's born in 1915. He's coming up at this time. He's probably like thirties, whatever. Well, the second world war is coming on. And uh, a lot of people in Hollywood are are being drafted. Mm -hmm. There, some of them are volunteering. 
Well, Frank was labeled 4F, okay. which uh, you know, I assume, 4F is like the, yeah, no, you can't, you can't go to the Army, right? There Why was 1A, which was like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like everybody knows that. Oh, okay. Sorry, I did not. No, I knew they had those classifications, yeah, like four, but I didn't know what. what yeah, well, was. I just remember like every every movie and every story I've heard about the draft and stuff. People are just like, "Please be four F. Please be four oh, okay. F." Because four F. Because four F is just like, listen, four uh, F is like you can't come, and it there's nothing you could have done about it, so you don't even what have it, to was feel it just bad. Like, you're too short you, to hit. Sorry. Like, like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna get to that, because there's a Short guys, they of, fit in ditches better? Foxholes and stuff? Short guys like are that. fucking great yeah, for the war, yeah, Easier dude. to yeah, you shoot over their the heads. You know what I mean? Roll them over like, a bunker. Yeah. yeah. So what was it? No. Uh, so he was labeled uh, 4F when it came to the time of the war, because here's the first... Uh, rumor or first report is that he had a busted eardrum. He'd suffered a busted eardrum and he'd had it his whole life. And I don't buy that one because you can't, I can't hear that the fucking guy who's a musical savant right. also has a busted eardrum. I don't buy that one. Uh, I don't buy it. The second one was that he, they, they claimed that he was too, emotionally unstable and volatile i don't buy that either because that sounds like a great fucking soldier yeah. to me yeah i both of these so far i'm like damn that's a, how did we find any soldiers you know what i mean especially back in this era which granted you know was all fucked up all the time and stayed dying and stuff and you know uh cars was death traps and all ears that didn't, shit. Hit. Ears didn't hit as everybody knows everybody's smoking like a freight train like they're gonna be that stringent with the like health requirements to be a soldier, I don't know how we fucking put an army together. But all right, now this is this has nothing to do with the Frank Sinatra story, but I am pretty sure that later in the war they definitely uh, like sort of eased up on some of those requirements because they were like, listen, we got to have motherfuckers get shot on the front lines. But you know, like at one point, like just being flat footed was mm -hmm. enough to not let you go to the army. Yeah, see, that's... Like, they'd be like, yeah, the base your to me, fatal you know? heart. Because, again, it's like, it was a world war. It was the, it was yeah, the right. world. For the world. The world yeah. is at stake here. Like, it's wild that they're like, yeah, we need people to go help the world fight this war, but not that flat-footed motherfucker or that one dude whose one ear don't hit, uh, you know? Like, I don't know. It's just... uh kind of wild to me well and i mean not to be an asshole here but like if i was in charge of the army i'd be like i need people with with uh not a lot to lose you know what i mean like your ear don't hit well fucking let's let's see how that goes like you know what i'm saying like those would be my prime candidates like your life's already sucked well get out here boy you know throw a fucking grenade yeah the real the story that a lot of people believe even though like per some people it's like no it was confirmed that he was 4f because of this this or the other a lot of people think that because Frank's Frank's career was at like he wasn't at the tippy top, but he was just starting to climb. And Frank was worried that like, God damn, if I go over there and I stay gone by the time I come back, these fucking girls wearing Bonnie socks are going to be nipping at the heels of some other fucking dude. And I'm not going to be popular anymore. So the one big rumor is that he paid this uh army chief dude or the doctor 40 grand to be like yo just write 4f mm, just say my fucking ear don't okay. hit whatever 
which frankly, I believe, but it doesn't actually make me think less of Frank Sinatra. And here's why. As I've said a million times, I would have dodged the fuck out of the draft. I don't give a shit what you think about me. We, I would have done we it. We're going to get into to this again. Like, I, no, we've I, we've already done it. In World maybe War the II, world, but buddy? Maybe no, the I don't one know. against the I fucking don't know. Nazis? Like, that don't make it Yeah, you're right. I probably would have went. Vietnam, nah, I would have went. Sure, if we were at a draft during, like, Iraq, sure. Uh, like, I totally okay. get that. But, like, that one, no. Like, that one Let needed me say to this. be won. Like, you know, like, I know. Let me say this. Let me say this. I don't think that I would have gone out of my way to try and get 4F. What I will tell you is if someone I was going to enlist or whatever and someone said, hey, Mr. Forster, by the hey, you hit for us. You're that funny guy, right? And I'd be like, yeah. And they go, dude, you don't have to go. And I'd be like, wait, why? And they're like, eh, we need you more over here. Well, I'd be like, I mean, OK, I sweet. Say, I would have accepted it. You I know what I mean? That, yeah, I was going to say, like, look, having said that for a dude like Frank Sinatra, if you're really starting to hit that hard at that point in time, I mean, of course, I get it. And also, yeah, I think there is probably an argument to be made that in terms of like morale or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, no, I think it's you're stupid more, that Elvis you're went more useful, <laughs> you know, hitting and people, keeping people's spirits up and shit during the war effort, then you maybe, would be like fucking, you know, as a machine gunner or whatever. And, and, and maybe I would have pitched that. I don't know. I'm just trying to be honest here yeah. in that. I don't want to die. You know what I mean? Like I do. Well, like sometimes it depends on what mood you get me in, but it's I don't want to die at the hands of a fucking Nazi. But like, if they, I might pitch to them, Hey man, I want to serve. But like, would you, what if I went over there and did stand up every night or did the radio like Robin Williams. Well, that's what, like that's what Mel Brooks did, right? I don't hit Yeah. Right. Well, no, Mel no. was actually in the shit. Oh, uh, which one uh, of them he, was it? He ended up Carl doing that. Reiner, I was about to say, one of those no, guys Mel did, did like Ryan, shows over there. Both of them both of them ended up doing that, but both of them were also in the shit. Right. So they did a little bit of both. And I and the only reason I say that is because I just read twice in a row. I read it uh, myself, and then I listened to the audiobook of Mel Brooks' autobiography. And yes, while he was over there, he was entertaining people, but he was kind of just doing it on his own. Like he was, he was over there as a regular fucking dude, and he just was entertaining people. And then finally, I think they were just like, "You should just do this." <laughs> you know what I mean? Because fucking Mel would like he would play. He would like sneak up to the front lines at night and get the big loudspeaker and play like Jewish birthday songs pointing at the Nazis and shit mm -hmm. like that. But like he actually what he had a gun and he, dude, he's the fucking greatest That's American awesome. that ever lived. Yeah. I'll hear nothing else. He's my fucking hero. But like, no, he but he still was like risking his life and shit. Um, anyways, so. A couple stories I wanted to tell about Sinatra uh, while we're getting here to towards his acting career. And I think you remember one of them that we were told by, I want to say it was Andrew Reich, our uh, former showrunner, where do you remember the story of Sinatra at the Beverly Hills Hotel and the Bellboy? I don't know. Not offhand. So hit me with it. Okay. All right. Well, pretend that you don't know it. So Sinatra gets up to the Beverly Hills Hotel, right? He's drunk as fuck. He gets out of his car, and he's going to valet his car. So he throws the keys to the valet. He looks at the valet, and he goes, Hey, kid, what's the most anybody ever tipped you? And the kid goes, uh, $100, Mr. Sinatra. And he goes, 
He pulls out $200, hands the kid $200 and goes, there you go. Top that. He goes to walk off and then skirt. He turns around and goes, hey, kid, who the fuck gave you a hundred dollar tip? And he goes, you did, Mr. Sinatra last week. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think is just perfect. Like that's such a gangster that's the only thing I think I have in common with Frank Sinatra is that I would do that. Like I would 100% do that shit. Um, but another, another story about uh, Frank that kind of goes the opposite way. Did you ever hear the Don Rickles uh, story about Don Rickles being on a date? Yes. I was, I was going to tell this one if you didn't go ahead. Oh, tell no, it. No, no, no please. You tell, no, it. you tell you it. tell it. Cause you did the research. So you're refreshed on it. If it, if it didn't come up, I was going to tell it how I remembered it, but you'll do a better job since you've, refreshed yourself on the story but it's a great story though yeah it's a great story so don rickles is obviously huge friends with the rat pack he's a he's a he's a, a burgeoning comedian is that the way mm-hmm. you would say this about rickles at this time well i don't he know wasn't if he was quite, burgeoning or not i just he you know he wasn't he wasn't quite the rickles that he became okay. otherwise he wouldn't have really had trouble with this gal in my opinion right. so Rickles is going on a date with this girl after his show in Vegas, and he's got a time slot that's kind of similar to Frank's. Maybe he was opening for Frank. And Rickles tells Frank, he goes, hey, I got a date with this girl at the diner. It would be really great if you stopped by the table and said hey to me, because if she knows that I know you, then I'm in for sure. Yeah. And Frank's like, yeah, kid, I got you. No, no problem. So later, Rickles is having dinner with this girl at the diner, and he's sitting there. And Frank comes up and he starts to hey, Don, how you doing? And Don Rickles looks up at Frank and goes, Frank, do you mind? We're having dinner yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. That's such a great, it's such so a perfect like Don Rickles it. story. It's incredible. Those are two of my favorite Hollywood stories back to back. I think the Don Rickles one tops it. Uh, um, well, but just since we're on the subject of stories, I, the only other one that I thought of that I was going to tell it, uh, did the Brad Garrett story. I know I've told you before. Oh, please it's tell like, it. Uh, please tell it. And I hope Brad, you tell it for a, a decent amount of time because I'm peeing in a joke. Okay. Brad Garrett, you know, of Everybody Loves Raymond fame. He's a longtime stand-up comic. He got his start, as a lot of comics did back in that era, opening for uh, musical acts. And he happened to land, huge deal for him at the time, of course. His, like, first big gig was opening for Frank Sinatra, right? And No doubt. it didn't... It, it, I've always wanted, it, this was like a thing for a long time. And as a comic, yeah. I've always been like, how did that Dreesen last? used to do it. How did that last longer than like six months? Because it's like, it makes no sense. Comedy opening for music generally don't hit. And also like all the stories I've heard from people who used to do it, they make it sound like it did not hit. So it was a nightmare. So it's yeah, like, right. I don't know why they kept doing it for so long. I don't mean the comics. They, they took the money. I'm saying, yeah, right. Why did why Sinatra keep thing. hiring comedians? But anyway, he was opening for Sinatra and, uh, it was always Pay less. That's why it was always terrible. I mean, not always, but it didn't go well, right? But Frank kept him around. They got along fine or whatever. And Frank's like manager or whatever whose name I don't remember. Fucking you know some Vito Goomba motherfucker uh, was always around. And one night Garrett went out and did his set, and it didn't hit. It's just silence. Boo! Thank you. You know that whole thing. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of it very sarcastically after he's done terrible he's like all right listen that's my time hey uh you guys stick around for frank okay and uh which is funny especially at the end it's hilarious whatever he goes backstage and fucking uh 
Vito meatball spaghetti guy, fucking the manager walks up and he's like, <laughs> he's like, Hey, uh, stick around for Frank. What, what uh, the fuck was that about? What's that supposed to mean? He's like, he's like, <laughs> you know, I was just joking. Like, cause he, and then the guy's like, cause obviously they're going to stick around for Frank. They're fucking here to see Frank. Why yeah. would they not stick around for Frank? <laughs> Where the fuck do you think they're going to go? They're here for Frank, you know? And, and, and he's like, no, I know. I just, it was just like a funny That's thing the joke. to say, right? And he got fired. He was like, no, you're out of here. You know, get the fuck out of here, kid. And he got fired and then ended up opening for <laughs> Liza Minnelli and also Glenn Campbell, I think, uh, you know, a, a, along his journey. But yeah, I always thought that was fun. Dude, Brad lucky. Garrett is a fucking right. incredible storyteller and he's got a he's bunch an, of them. He's, he's one of so the most funny. He's one of the most underrated like I feel like he's like people go, yeah, that's Raymond's brother. But like he's so fucking funny. He's such a pros and he is a Las Vegas guy. He's got a club there. So like it makes so much sense to me that he used to open for Frank because he's got that old school kind of like stand and deliver right. fucking swag. Everybody that I know that works the Brad Garrett's comedy club in Las Vegas has nothing but glowing reviews of not only the club, but the man himself. Cause they're like, Oh, he's there. Cause in my mind, I was like, he owns it. He's fucking doing it. They go, no, no, he's there. He's doing MC shit all night. Even if you're the MC, he's fucking coming out and doing shit and he's hyping you up and you're going to have a fucking blast. And he's going to tell you, you know, Frank Sinatra stories and shit. I love Brad Garrett. Yeah. Also, so underrated in the the Jimmy John's commercials are fucking hilarious. Mm -hmm. I hate Jimmy John's, but he's fucking flames in them. Speaking of acting, Frank Sinatra did a bit of that, Trey. Uh, some of his notable films, of course, include Anchors Away, From Here to Eternity, which he won an, an Academy yep. Award. Did you know I that? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I, won I, had Academy a, Award. I had a film class in college. It was actually war in film. It was all about war movies. Uh -huh. And uh, we watched From Here to Eternity, and I remember him being in it and being told that, yeah, he won. Was a, it good? Yeah, yeah, it's good. All them, like, uh, yeah. My favorite one was Paths of Glory. I think it's of Paths of Glory. It's the Stanley, early Stanley Kubrick movie with uh, Kirk Douglas involving like deserters in, I think, World War II. Right. It's fucking great. It's great. He, he was also in the original Ocean's Eleven, which is the yes. seminal Rat Pack type movie. But that's not actually what I want to talk about in his movie career. What I want to talk about is... Did you know that him and John Wayne had a feud? This hits. Did not. Did it not hits know, but, but so hits, hard. Yeah. Okay. So one of their main feuds was literally just about politics, which we don't talk about on the show, but it's important to this. So I will talk about it. Um, Frank Sinatra, at the time at least, was a dyed in the wool liberal Democrat, and he did not care for John Wayne's party's views because at the time Frank Sinatra was like really in, on the forefront of Hollywood trying to push for civil rights. Like that was very important to him. Sammy Davis Jr. was one of his best friends. It was super important to him. Uh, this would actually end up, flash forward, be Part of the reason for him and John F. Kennedy's falling out because they were huge buddies and Frank Sinatra didn't think that John F. Kennedy was living up to his campaign promises of pushing through civil rights as fast as he could have. Right. He's a very complicated guy because in so many ways he's old school slap a lady, you know, mm. fucking all that shit. But then he's on the right side of history in, in these certain things. So him and John Wayne had a feud. It started with that. 
But then they're on this the set of this movie called The Alamo that John Wayne is directing. I don't know if it was his directorial debut, but it's it's one of his first directorial whatevers. And so Sinatra, he had a small part. It was uncredited. Right. So he didn't even have to be there for a long time. Well, Sinatra (laughs) decides to show up on set wearing a full bird. And this is the quote. This isn't from me. Squall uniform, a full bird Native American mm-hmm. costume just to piss John Wayne off. <laughs> yeah, because John he Wayne really now, did not like now, Indians. Not even fake Indians. Thing, like him being so offended by the, the sight of a fake Indian is so goddamn yeah, yeah. funny to me. Like I know. And so John Wayne, John Wayne claims it was just that Frank Sinatra was being unprofessional, but like we all know that fucking Sinatra the reason that Sinatra did that was because he's like, he doesn't like Indians. Dude, Look what I'm going to do. John Wayne made all them goddamn Cowboys movies. And Cowboys had Indians to shoot in those movies. Like, did he have to be separated from the rest of the cast? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you couldn't, like, they, they had to be segregated. Well, that's why he made Mexicans do it. whip all their asses. Yeah, but still, it's not like yeah. Frank Sinatra's Indian. I'm saying the dudes in those movies, right. they were wearing yeah. Indian get-ups, even if they were white guys or Italians or whatever white guys or italians but like uh yeah you know what i mean like i don't know he was a fucking lunatic no i agree with you uh so obviously we know that uh frank had a reputation for being a ladies man he was associated with various high profile uh women he was uh married he was married four times so not quite as much as jaja gabor nancy barbato 1939 to 1951 ava gardner 1951 to 57 mia farrow we all know mia farrow 1966 to 1968 and barbara marks 1976 to 1998 he had three children with nancy nancy frank jr and tina of those children that's the those are the ones that i know you got nancy who sang these boots are made for um, he was, like I said earlier, he was super involved with politics and he was a close personal friend of John F. Kennedy. They actually met before he ever ran for president, uh, because JFK, you know, he, he came from huge privilege. His dad had him out in Hollywood all the time and he met Frank Sinatra and they loved hanging out with each other. JFK loved hanging out with Frank because in the situation that JFK's charm and money couldn't get it done alone, he knew that if he's with Frank, He's going to get every woman that Frank doesn't have time to be with. You know, John's going to get them. So they were super, super good friends um, all through his, basically all through his presidency till they have, like I said earlier, they, they had a little falling out over Frank thought that John F. Kennedy was playing too, too much safe politics and not really like fast forwarding the civil rights movement that he kind of campaigned on. But really what pissed him off was it comes out around this time that Frank has ties to the mob. Frank is seen hanging out with Lucky Luciano, uh, with uh, Garbina. I just made that name up. That sounds like a mob name. Mm. You know, all the all the meatball beanie motherfuckers. And JFK's dad is like, hey, this guy's political poison. You got to fucking stop hanging so, out with him. Because JFK's got dad was a fucking bootlegger, right? He like was yes, a gangster. Yes, but that's why he knew. He's like, yeah, you can't but be that's having why he these knew. gangsters around, son, who is president. Yeah. 
that but but that's how he knew yeah. you know to defend him he's like you you've got to separate yourself from that you got to be better than me i guess i'm saying so, he's intrinsically linked to gangsterdom anyway already agreed. by the fact that his dad was one so like you but, know what's but a couple who, more gun you know but 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 we know that now maybe at the time yeah. they didn't know that, that yeah, jack senior right. was yeah. you know what i'm saying it could have been like, hey, people fucking already kind of suspect we got to, you know. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. It's a conspiracy theory, but it's kind of one of those fun ones that it don't really matter if you believe it or not. There's a lot of people that are like, well, yeah, Frank Sinatra was in with the Jack Rubies and shit. Like, they, J John F. Kennedy. So what happened was John F. Kennedy was supposed to stay with Frank Sinatra in like uh, fucking, I don't know, West Palm Beach one time. And his dad tells John F. Kennedy, he's like, yo, you can't associate with these people. So John F. Kennedy ends up canceling his plans with Frank and going and staying with Bing Crosby instead, whom Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby had like a personal competitive relationship. And that pissed fucking Frank off. So a lot of people assume that when Frank's hanging out with a bunch of his mob buddies, he tells them like this guy, you know, personal offense on me. And they were like, you know what? He's kind of pissed us off too. You know, we're thinking about taking him out. And Frank was like, good, fuck him. You know? <laughs> and Damn. so like, I don't necessarily believe, yeah. I don't necessarily believe that, but there's a lot of, of course, there's a lot of rumors of about course. Frank's ties. Most people, I think that, I think from my independent research, it's just that these people like Lucky Luciano and all these guys, they enjoyed the type of performance that Frank gave and they hang out in all these places and they were booking all these clubs. And so Frank was just like, yeah, of course I'm friendly with him. What do you want me to do? Call them cocksuckers and get shot. You know, I don't know that Frank was actually like, you know, charging Vig to motherfuckers or whatever, but like he, he was seen with them. But it, again, it's almost like, well, what am I supposed these guys like me? I have to be nice to them. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Or they'll fucking kill me. For sure. Uh, so another thing about another thing about him that I did not know at all, he attempted to kill himself several times. Ailed. He was a very depressed person. It, you know, as I said earlier, the Napoleon complex, and he could never really get it right with love he had alcohol problems uh he had all the things that make an entertainer sad you know like oh i'm here and now i'm here whatever uh in the early 50s because uh, his star had super fallen you know and uh he was uh, in his apartment turned on the gas uh got in the stove tried to kill himself and uh his manager just happened to have come in to like talk to him and found him there and pulled him out. And then he just sat there and cried all night. Uh, later on, he had a rough relationship with Ava Gardner. And she apparently upset him so much that he made three suicide attempts while he was still with her. Including uh, one time he walked into their bedroom uh, holding a gun to his head. And she tackled him, got the gun away from him, got him to the... Uh, then it fired, but it missed both of them. Uh Sinatra, like I said, was known to have been associated with members of the Mafia, uh, Lucky Luciano, Sam Giacana, Meyer Lansky. Uh, a lot of people say that he used his connections with the Mafia to further his career, protect his business interests. Again, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that Frank was making a lot of money. He's hanging out with these mob guys, and they're like, let me tell you where to put your fucking money. We've got this restaurant down here. It's an all-cash organization. All right? All right, Frank Blue Eyes, you know. Um his music career continued to flourish through the 1950s and 60s. In the 1960s, he formed his own record label. Uh, this is when he comes out with My Way, New York, New York. 
Uh, he retired from performing in 1995, passed away on May 14, 1998, at the age of 82 from a heart attack. And I would like to leave you with this. This is my favorite Frank Sinatra. Because, by the way, I don't know if you know this, I'm setting you up for a Rat Pack Super So. Did you notice oh. I didn't talk about the Rat Pack in this uh-huh, episode? Yeah. That was on fucking purpose i want you to know who this man is we're going to do a dean martin episode a sammy davis jr episode and then we're going to do a rat pack episode are you fucking cool with that for me yeah okay this is my favorite thing about frank sinatra there was a cookbook that came out one time where all these dudes had uh it was dean martin frank sinatra was like a uh it was like a rat pack cookbook or whatever and these are the two recipes that are my favorite but you have to read them back to back all right Here's no, Dean Martin yeah. for the Martin Burger. Yeah. <laughs> the Martin Burgers. One pound ground beef, two ounces bourbon chilled. Preheat a heavy frying pan and sprinkle bottom lightly with table salt. Mix meat, handling lightly, just enough to form into four patties. Grill over medium high heat about four minutes on each side. Pour chilled bourbon into chilled shot glass and serve meat and bourbon on TV tray. That's Dean Martin. Mm-hmm. Now, here's Frank Sinatra's yeah. burger recipe. Yeah. Sinatra burgers. One, call for Dino. Two, tell him to make your fucking burger. Three, drink his bourbon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard. I've seen, Isn't that beautiful? I've seen that before. It's lovely. It's fantastic. Yes, indeed it is. Well, there's Frank Sinatra, my friend. Well, that hit for me. All right. Well, I mean, I guess we'll wrap it up. But are you going to, do you, we need to read a couple oh fuck me we gotta do it emails don't we god damn it i keep we for so long did these separate and i can't fucking remember oh hold on my dad just said something he was uh this is uh frank sinatra he was considered to be the ultimate interpreter of a song his timing was impeccable and was known for singing and holding back in unusual and unexpected ways on july 27 1940 a 24-year-old frank sinatra created a first in a career that would never be that would be full of them i'll never smile again the 78 RPM release by the hugely popular trombonist and band leader Tommy Dorsey with lead vocals by Sinatra became the first number one on Billboard's new best-selling retail records chart. So it, That's fucking fantastic. So it was. Beep, it was beep. I'll Never Smile Again. You said, well, it can't be yep, that because it that was. was, but it was that. So you actually did have it in your notes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I did. Uh, God damn it, dude. BPP really crushing it for me with the uh, text notes. I'm really appreciating that. All right, here we go. Oh, I like the start of this. This is from Jordan Hubbard. Uh, subject line, civets are freaks. Hey, boys, I'll try. Uh, I'll get to why y'all hit for me in a minute, but the cat shit coffee slash civet conversation made me wonder. Do you know about civets? They are freaks. Watch this and do what you want with it. There's a uh, YouTube link here, Trey, that I think me and you will have to watch later about the civets, which is the civet the cat? Yeah, is the yeah. Civet? but I don't know okay. shit about them I'll, other than they poop we'll coffee open, that hits. That's all I know. I will, uh, I'll send this link in the doc and we'll open up the next show with it. Here's the follow-up. Thanks for making me laugh every week. POA is so damn entertaining. I saw Trey open for Jason Isbell in Anaheim a few years mm-hmm. back, so I started following and sharing your brilliant slash hilarity. Found the well-read podcast during the first week of COVID while I was building a model pirate ship. Look at That's that! Huh? While I was building a model pirate ship... Uh, parentheses judge away but we all did some weird shit at the start of the pandemic that's true brother uh anyways you guys have been making me laugh for years so please keep doing what you're doing love y'all jordan p 
P.S. I used to work at Barrel and Ashes in Studio City, and somehow I missed you filming yeah. there. Sad. Oh, that's where we I did know, the sketches yeah, yeah, for uh, Comedy Central. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, B&A is no longer with us. Hipster and barbecue is a tough combo to pull mm. off. Also, we indeed. cursed it with our presence. We, we do that, you know. That's true. We constantly, if we show up, I mean, like I said, I talked about Raquel Welsh mm. and here she goes. Um, subject line, another Caesar anecdote. Skew my brothers in chocolate gravy. Just finished listening to the podcast here at work, as is my Monday habit to the delight slash annoyance of my fellow mechanics here in the outskirts <laughs> of Charlotte. I love the reference to how <laughs> that's so fucking funny. Just everybody's yeah. we're trying to yeah. change our oil. Turn, Turn the queers a, off. Yeah, you beat me to it. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Just picturing these dudes, these fucking North Carolina mechanics <laughs> hollering to turn the queers off for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved I loved the reference to how Julius Caesar balled all over the pirates that kidnapped two pirate emails balled all over the yeah. reference uh, balled all over the pirates that kidnapped him that one time but there's another near miss from his youth that I've loved since the first uh, time I heard about it on another podcast a few years ago Apparently, there was a minor civil war between this dictator, Sula, and a pair of populist brothers trying to claim the government. Sula won and started executing everyone who had made his shit list, mm -hmm. as, you do. as you do. And an 18-year-old Jew... And an 18-year-old Julius Caesar was on there. He caught Julius and randomly let him go. The anecdote I heard claimed it was because the kid hit too hard to just kill wearing his robes all punk rock, cool hair, and fucking bitches. I'm sure... <laughs> I'm sure the pirate story didn't hurt with the reputation. Attached is an academic link, if and you care, and a link to the other podcast. Anyways, keep on hitting so hard your enemies think twice. Trevor Gore, right. two emails straight, two links that I will have to share with Trey. Two and that's, pirate, uh, boy, remember when I used to vet these two pirate references? Yeah, pirate on about pirates. I gotta say, dude. That's a pretty high level of hitting when you got like a sworn enemy on the other side of a war who has marked you for execution. And then he's fine. And then eventually he's just like, ah, God damn it. He just hits too hard to kill. I just can't look how hard he hits. Look at his hair. Look at all them, you know, hoes he's got around and stuff. Like <laughs> right. I can't kill somebody that hits that hard. Like that's a it hits that hard. That's a really high Dude, level. We've of all hitting. been there. <laughs> that's a super high level of hitting. Uh, last one. Subject line, King Charles is 74, not 80. A couple other things. <laughs> Harry's necklace is a black cord that has uh, three silver charms on it. Two that his wife gave him that has his two kids cardiograms, in parentheses, heartbeats, I fucking know, uh, on them. And the third one is from a friend in Botswana, parentheses, Africa, again, <laughs> I know, that has a tiger's eye on it. Harry's mom, Diana, did not fuck a bunch of guys. You're wrong. Uh, how can how can you miss all of this stuff if you were listening to the book? Uh, here you go, Spicy. Nancy. And I do love you. I do love you, and I hope you continue uh, uh, being on the show. Here's why. I'm listening to the book exclusively to shit on this person. Therefore, I don't give a fuck about some of the minute details. <laughs> Secondly, Diana 100% fucked a bunch of guys. Now, if you want to act like when I said that, I meant that it was a bad thing, that's fucking on you. I do not. I think that she should have fucked a lot of guys. She had to be with Charles' big, floppy, dumbo-eared fucking ass for a long time. She should be getting her back blown out by whichever fucking colonel 
girl wants to tap on the goddamn door and get past security. I have nothing wrong with that. If you want to slut shame her or insinuate that I'm slut shaming her, that's on you, baby. But she did fuck, quote, a bunch of guys, 100%. It's a big thing that she's known for, and I don't personally think it's wrong. That being said, I don't give a fuck about Harry's necklace. All right? So anyways, thank you, and uh, I'll read the book again. Hell yeah. Well, we got to go out on that one. Thanks, Nancy, for getting fired up. That always hits. See, I'll make sure to like and subscribe, leave a five-star review, rate, tell your friends, tell your grandmom and them, all that shit. And uh, yeah, come back next time, I reckon. H.O.? Stay fancy. There it is. Here's Lydia Loveless. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Royalty and rednecks are alike. They both like cutting and picking fights. Biscuits and baked beans where they don't belong. Sit on down with Corey and Trey and learn some fancy shit today. We'll laugh a little even when they're wrong. They'll take you to a magical place where if you call someone a cut, nobody cares. They keep it debonair at putting on airs, putting on airs, putting on.